all the jobs I want to work at are not on job boards. I've never seen them. Like, as you all know, I want to work as a Disney Imagineer at one point. And I've been looking at the, uh, the job boards on Disney since I was like 13. And never once did I see the position that I wanted pop up. So I'm like, it's never going to pop up. So I just need to move there and network and get to know people down there. Um, so I just kind of uh, finished up all my clients here, um, freelancing, and then just started rebuilding a portfolio for themed entertainment design. And um, yeah, so I'm, they've got nothing lined up. I'm going to pack my car, drive for two, three weeks down there, have a whole transformation moment, and then get there and just start networking. That was Chad Dewey, and this is The Process Podcast. The Process Podcast. It's the Process Podcast, episode 213, and Chad Wick Dewey has returned. Returned, returned. Yay. Hello. How's it going, Chad? Good. How are you? Ah, uh, rocking and rolling. Can't complain. You surviving. Surviving. Yeah, very surviving. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Making it through. It's uh where where are you now? Where do we find you now? I'm in Toronto at the moment. Ooh, what part of Toronto? Because that's very ambiguous. Ooh, uh Midtown. Oh, okay. Now where in Midtown? Young are you near Hollywood? <laughs> are you are you near Hollywood Gelato? Do you go to Hollywood Gelato? No, no. You should. It's a pretty oh. decent, pretty decent gelato place. Hollywood I don't gelato. know where it is. Yeah, uh, I think more. It's. Uh, I don't. I don't remember where. It is. Actually, oh, I think I know where that is. Come to think, of I it. can pull it up on maps here. I have it favorite. Turns out it's like complete opposite end of Toronto. Yeah, never mind. Yeah. No, it's it's in Midtown. It's in Midtown. It's off it's it's near Bayview and Eglinton. I think it's like Mount Pleasant and Yep. 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 You're exactly you're right. Just north Hollywood of Eglinton. Gelato, Bayview um it's Bayview and Manor Road. Oh, Bayview East, Manor. Uh which is just a bit north of uh Millwood. Yep. If that means anything to you. It does. So what what brings you to Midtown? Or why are you in Midtown? Or is that, um, is that where you've been living this whole time? Uh, no, I moved there last November. Yeah, it's like, I was okay. moved to like the uh, waterfront. I was looking at uh, Bathurst and like basically the waterfront. And, um, but parking was crazy expensive. It was like $400 for parking and parking was like Oof. two blocks away. And Jesus. I was like, okay. So I just moved to no. like Midtown because I was like, I could get to downtown like 15 minutes on the subway or like, quick little drive down there and whatnot so i like the midtown area i used to know someone who lived in the midtown area my grandparents used to live in the midtown area mm. and it's nice because you're in the city but it doesn't feel super crazy and hectic yeah you know like it yeah. doesn't have that intense downtown feel but you you can get there like you said literally in 15 minutes exactly yeah and i work in lee side so it's like just right oh, next fuck. door do you actually i do yeah Damn. Okay. You'll at, afterwards you'll have to send me where you're working, like the yeah the address of it, because like my my grandparents used to live super close. Like, oh no way. Living in Lee Side. Oh wow. Um, used to be really good friends with someone who lived in Lee Side, and now no longer in said life. But that's just that's just because they suck. And they no lie. idea where we don't that like is, those people. Yeah. We don't like people who lie, do we? We no. don't. No. Shade on, on them. Dylan's bad Shade list. on them. Yeah. Get I'm not. Being, I'm not here to be shady. 
No. <laughs> I'm just here to just like... If the truth is shady, that's not your fault. <laughs> it's a fantastic story, which I will not divulge on here, but I'll tell you about it afterwards, but it's fucking priceless. It sounds great. Uh, are, you fully, are you fully vaccinated? Not to make this political at all. Not yet. I, on the 10th, I will be fully vaccinated. Oh, hell yeah. That's dope. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'll be going, I'll be going downtown sometime soon, actually, for, uh, for a meetup for off from some Canadian offsite people. Nice. Um, and if you're around, we'll, uh, we'll catch up. Yeah, for sure. Fuck yeah, yeah. Let me know. Chat, or Zach, you can drive down from Cambridge for mm-hmm. two and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Drive two and a half hours. Good. Yeah. Or an see hour if, 45. See if the car doesn't blow up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to How's start it doing? the Beamer. <laughs> It's uh, you know, it's uh, it's actually knock on wood, or as I like to say, knock on wood, IKEA MDF. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, it hasn't hasn't blown up yet. It's doing all right. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's very assuring. That's it's doing all right. Assuring. You know, it's, so it's doing all no right. No cross country road trips for you. <laughs> well, maybe not yet. <laughs> Do you think it would blow up if you drove it too far? Like if you drove no. say two hours, would it would it shit itself? No, as long as nothing goes wrong. Okay, I mean, well, how can you guarantee that nothing's going <laughs> to no, blow up? It wouldn't, it wouldn't blow up. If at the worst case scenario, like there'd be a bit of an oil leak and they would start smoking a bit. And then I'd be like, oh, it's smoking a bit. And then I would stop. Or it and may then, not start when you go to leave whatever place yeah, you're at. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are you driving at all downtown, Chad? Or are you moving yeah. everywhere? Yeah, I know I drive around. Um, I. I usually try to use the uh, transit as much as possible just to lower my um, green or my uh, carbon emission carbon footprint. footprint. Yeah. yeah. Um, you drive a Prius too? No, Cobalt, Chevrolet Cobalt. Ooh, I don't know what that looks like. It's nothing to call home. <laughs> it's not a Mazda CX-30. That's what you're saying. <laughs> That's what you're saying. I bought um, it in like, I think it was like second year of university. Just like... It was like two thousand oh, dollars. Okay. okay, so this is it. this is boom. Because you drove me home one time from school. Yes, was it the red one? Uh, I think it was the red one. Yes, yeah, that one. Okay, fuck yeah. Okay, I do know what it is then. Yeah, I you have, do. I've literally been. <laughs> been I've literally <laughs> been inside of this car. Yeah, man, that's a, that was a that was a lot. Do you remember that? I do like remember three that. Three years ago now. I was like, it's Chad, crazy. You're going back to Aurora, right? Can I like, can I sneak a ride with you? Yeah, please. And you were like, uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, I was driving in Aurora, uh, what was it, two days ago? And I drove right by your place, and I'm like, this looks very familiar. And then like, I've seen your story with the guy walking around with the, oh, yeah. like, and I was like, oh my God, that's right. That's where he lives. That's where it looks familiar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy that we, because you moved in, you, when did you move to Aurora? Um, ooh. I think it was like 2014, okay. 13. Yeah. So we, I, we would have been living in the same vicinity for like, for two years before starting school. Yeah. Without ever having crossed paths, literally right. living two blocks away. Or maybe well, we have, I know we even have like mutual friends yeah. on like Facebook that are like, that you knew from high school and whatnot. That's true. Yeah. Cause you know, you know, Kennedy, yeah. Kennedy and Holmes. I used to work with Kennedy. Yeah. Um, quite a few people actually yeah not to get super inside baseball about aurora and all no. these people that live there but 
Zach's like, man, I live in Cambridge. There's nobody out here. Right. Well, it's kind of crazy. Like my sister works at the superstore and she's like, she just texts randomly texts me. She's like, do you know a Ben Robinson? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> Literally did that with my neighbor, my neighbor who I've lived, I've lived, I've lived next to that family for like, since I was a kid, since they've yeah. been there exact same time as we've been there. And I saw her at the superstore. She's working in the, I don't remember, like the click and collect type thing. Yeah. Um, and I know I knew that Ben was working there, and I, and I told her, I said, "Do you know? Do you know the guy with the big ginger beard?" She's yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I've I've seen him a couple times. I kind of know him. Like I've talked to him a little bit. And I'm like, oh yeah, just just tell him that you know Dylan, and then he'll he'll completely understand. <laughs> <laughs> and then Ben texted me a couple days later. He was like. Yo, Dylan, I just met your neighbor at the superstore. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, small world, isn't it? It's just such a small world. We're so, we're so tightly knit. Right? <laughs> very, very closely knit. But it's last time we had you on was February 8th, 2021. Yeah. A hundred and something odd episodes ago, 104 episodes ago. It's a long time. We had you on episode 109. 109. Wow. Ooh. Isn't that fucking wild? That is crazy. Does that hurt your brain? Yeah, I don't try to think about it. <laughs> you don't try to think about the fact the passage that passage like of time. I try months. not to think about it. <laughs> five months have passed, and it feels like two days. Well, yeah, it doesn't feel that long, but a hundred and four episodes, like, damn. Yeah, yeah. hundred and four episodes, wow. hundred and five, hundred and six ish odd hours of talking. Yeah, you know, five months. Yeah, that's crazy. What are we doing with ourselves? <laughs> I ask myself that every day. <laughs> do, 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 you, do you have you figured out an answer? Ooh, um, I think I'm more. I yeah. I mean, like this past since February, I'm really just reanalyzing what I'm doing and how I'm contributing to like the world um, as a designer, as a person, and whatnot. And like trying to maximize every single moment and like finding balance within that. Um, so definitely like. Re, um, so like one of the things I'm doing now is uh, moving to Los Angeles because I realized that. Sure, just sprinkle that in there. Yeah, just sprinkle it. Just, just well, to I mean, LA. I'm I'm like the odd story. So my family's all Canadian. Moved to U.S. for like two years. I was born and then moved back. So I'm like I'm the only American in the family. Mm. So oh, I'm like shit, that's true. kind of a calling. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of prophetic which is now it's funny because all my entire family has moved to us so i'm moving along with it so there you go yeah they all got their green Sounds cards like a and good just uh, good reason to go good justification yeah um but yeah no like i was just looking at um i guess i kind of realized that any dream job you cannot find on a job board and you can mm. usually only find it through networking um and then looking at different i just basically pulled out google and was like just googling cities and figuring out like which city has the design community that would best bring me to where i need to go and los angeles uh was well, the one that i figured out would be the best and so i'm like okay just gonna pack my bags and move there seems Damn. like everybody everybody in pursuit of like a true creative fulfillment you know whether you're a musician an actor a youtuber a, a graffiti painter mm -hmm somehow they always end up in Los Angeles or gravitating towards Los Angeles. Yeah. Have you been to Los Angeles before? I have. Yeah, I did. I lived there. Um, when did I live there? 2018. I lived there for a month. 
Okay. And um, yeah, because like basically after high school, I would leave every summer to go to the States and just like I was in Arizona, San Diego, Los Angeles, and just like hopped around and just explored the US and whatnot, did random internships here and there. Um, so I've been there before. Um, so it's it's a vibe I like, and I'm definitely, you know, I'm the surfer dude type. So it you totally works. fit. You, you totally, <laughs> do you know how to surf? I do not, which I need to learn, you know? Yeah, you need to learn. But that whole beach vibe is my is my jam, so. You yeah. look like you know how to surf, though, so you're already, I think you're already halfway there. And my name's Chad. Like, it's perfect douchebag yeah, surfer name. That is true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? Much, much in the same way that you being born in the U.S. is like, oh, it's a calling, you being named Chad, it's a prerequisite that you know how to surf. Right? It's you, kind of crazy. You can't live your entire life yeah, and not. Maybe it's just you a break? natural ability. You'll start it and you'll be like, whoa. Yeah. I have pretty good balance. So I feel like the I feel like I do this. Still comes out and you... <laughs> yeah. Surf's up, bro. <laughs> like so what so what have you been up to in terms of like professional like design work, creative stuff? You mentioned moving to Los Angeles, yep. but obviously stuff has to fall into place for that to happen yep. within the last five months since we last spoke. Yeah. Like so what 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 transpires? Um, well, so I was doing at the time last February, I was doing a lot of freelancing. So, um, I had a lot of freelancing stuff. I had my nine to five and then I had, uh, my two companies that I was running, um, still am. So, um, I was just kind of overloading, um, a little bit. I was pulling three all nighters a night, a week still. And I was like, okay, this is no longer school. It's not sustainable. I need to figure out some way of taking things off my plate that I didn't need. And I guess I kind of realized that, um, no money can make up for not doing your passion. So like as much as I want to make more money in freelancing and, and whatnot, it, if it wasn't my passion, I didn't want to do it. Um, and if, if my day job wasn't my passion, then I need to fix that. And so I just reevaluated everything and kind of figured out how can I make something uh, that I'm passionate about um, in the forefront. And obviously my companies are my passion. Um, so I have to figure out how to get those into the forefront um, and in the meantime, um, I wanted to figure out how do I, uh, go about like freelancing and either switching my day job until my companies can pay me enough to do something I enjoy better. Um, and, and yeah, so, um, basically since then I've been just doing a lot of networking, um, getting to know people in Los Angeles and just, you know, hitting up designers and, um, because all the jobs I want to work at are not on job boards. I've never seen them. Like, as you all know, I want to work as a Disney Imagineer at one point. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking at the, uh, the job boards on Disney since I was like 13. And never once did I see the position that I wanted pop up. So I'm like, it's yeah. never going to pop up. So I just need to move there and network and get to know people down there. Um, so I just kind of uh, finished up all my clients here, um, freelancing, and then just a rebuilding a portfolio for themed entertainment design. And um, yeah. So um, they've got nothing lined up. I'm going to pack my car, drive for two, three weeks down there, have a whole transformation moment, and then get there and just start networking. Wow. How do you, how do you like, I don't even, there's a sense of confidence that needs to be had by anyone who's willing to say move across the country and move to another city without a job. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm I'm assuming that you're going there not knowing where you're gonna end up working, correct? 
That's correct. You're 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 kind of like flying blind. One hundred percent. Which for me gets me so excited. That yeah. idea of just like I'm the type of person I've done it, lived like slept on the beach, you know, slept in my car, made it work. Like that type of like just winging it, just gives me so much energy. Um, and my sister lives not far from Los Angeles, so if I ever need a place to stay, there, I can. No, you're like you're like one of twenty nine children. So which <laughs> yes, sister? Yes, is this? this is my older sister. So I'm the third of thirteen. So this is yeah. So this is my older sister. Um, yeah. So she lives just outside of uh, Los Angeles. So if I need a place to stay, I'll stay with her. What um, does she do? She's a nurse. Oh wow! Yeah. Good for her. Yeah, that's nurse with two kids. Thing. That's a tough gig. Wow. And two yeah. kids. Jesus. And two kids, yeah. My God. Yeah. Respect to her. Right? <laughs> Is she going to listen to this episode? She better now. Let's say nice. I'm going to force her. Rebecca? Rebecca? Listen. Rebecca, <laughs> listen. We love you. I've never met you, but I'm sure you're a fantastic person. Right? She is. Absolutely. Of course she is. So like, so, okay. So this, this automatically freaks me out. Does it freak you out, Zach? I... It freaks me out of me trying to picture myself doing something like that, and I think I would shut down as a human. I'd, I, I'd panic. I wouldn't know what to do. But I respect the the confidence. Thank you. Just to be like, because I well, well, I thought it was interesting when you said like, not like you you won't find a your dream job on a job board. Mm-hmm. Is really kind of deep statement, right? Because I think that's kind of one thing you see pop up and interviews with other um successful creatives or just successful people of being like you know they didn't like go on a job board and be like you know i'm looking for this specific dream job and oh my god there it is and they apply for it and they do an interview and they get it it's like their story's always like yeah i you know want to do this so i got my foot in the door in this somewhat related area and then someone in there just happened or i made friends with happened to know someone yeah, and then it goes from there and there, and next thing you know, you have that spider web of a uh, of connections, right? And then yeah. you kind of like crawl your way into the the inner circle where you want to be. So I just think that's like a that's like a fascinating idea, especially then being like, I'm gonna pack up and I'm gonna move to a literally like across the landmass of North America. Yeah, and and. Uh, and just be confident, like I'll I'll figure it out. Yeah, because especially to a place like LA. Yeah, right. Like, but just to, to have confidence, be like, well, I know I'll figure it out. I just know that, like, that is like the closest thing, the closest door to my passion. Yeah, you know. And I mean, I think like I obviously there is like some of those um, and a hesitancy, like, oh, will will you find something? Um, like, yeah you know, will I be happy living there? Will I, you know, is this the right move or whatnot? But I think for me, I, I kind of just view it as this is something I've always wanted to do, like be a designer. And no matter what, I'm just going to keep knocking on doors and just keep hitting things. And, you know, if like, if there's so much more opportunities there than in Toronto, I feel like right. by me sitting here complacent in the day job I have, waiting around for an opportunity to pop up in Toronto that I want um, with Toronto not having really the uh, themed entertainment community that I need um, right. to get into. It's it's kind of like I'm doing myself more of a disservice staying here than I would be there. 
Right. And like, you know, I've worked as a bartender before. So I'm like, if I go down there, I'll just work as a bartender and like, boom, that's, that's a great way of meeting people, you know, work as a that's server, really mm-hmm. you know, you can make good money doing that. So, you know, and networking last, too. I, exactly. You, you never know who you're going to be serving a drink, especially in a place like LA where exactly. literally anybody could walk I was going to say, I feel like I've heard, seen that in like celebrity interviews where they said they used to be a bartender and then like yeah. a producer, someone or a director would walk in and they talk to them like, Hey, and by yeah. the end of the night, you're like, I'll give you a shot. Come to this audition or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. So like for me, it's, that's kind of like, you know, as much as I would love to go there and get a job in, in design, if that's if design's not the case, then, you know, I'll work there. I'll go work at Disneyland if I had to, like, that's yeah. the type of, like, I would work three, four jobs if I had to, but I know like if there's a place where I can actually start networking and building that community that I need, then for me, that's, that's worth the risk of moving and not having any, any certainty. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm picturing you- like a, venn diagram it's like the the passion places like that have the passion and then this, and then right there in the middle is like la and it's like this probably i should probably go here yeah exactly <laughs> you know? this is kind of yeah no i i i think i don't know i think it's a brave thing to do but i think it makes sense right i mean i i understand it's like that the idea of well if i want to do this and this is the place where it's most likely gonna gonna find something in that area like makes sense being like well yeah it would be a disservice not trying it mm-hmm. yeah are are you yeah. familiar with it, the concept of ikigai at all no ikigai. no it's a it's a japanese concept meaning a reason for being spelled i-k-i-g-a-i um, and imagine imagine four overlapping circles one circle is things that you love another circle is things that you're good at another circle is things that you can be paid for and then the final of the four circles is what the world needs and it's like love good at paid for and needs those are kind of the 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 four overarching main circles yeah but within those four circles since they're overlapping you have naturally overlapping sections and the overlap between what you love and what you're good at is passion the overlap between what you're good at and what you, what you can be paid for is a profession the overlap between what you can be paid for and what the world needs is a vocation and then the overlap between what the world needs and what you love is a mission hmm. and then in the overlaps between those there's satisfaction feeling comfortable feeling excitement feeling delight and at the core of it at the very center of all these four overlapping circles is ikigai which is again to reiterate your your reason for being Hmm. and i think that in this instance with you talking about moving literally across country with nothing to say but the but the shirt on your back and the car that you're in you're driving there and you you don't know it's the 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 result is ambiguous in terms of what's going to happen you're you have that you you have a confident personality you're a confident person but i think deep down if you if you unpack that even more there's a sense of you understanding that essence or that reason for being and that higher purpose of why you are going there you're not you're not moving to LA to say that you're moving to LA or to have uh, LA 
whatever on your LinkedIn profile or say that you live there in an Instagram bio, it's, there's a deeper sense to it. And then you're, and you're not necessarily just going there to say, I work for Disney, even though that's a great thing. You know, everyone wants to say they're an Imagineer at Disney. You know, for a fact that that's what you want to do because that relates back to your icky guy. And I would, I would, I would implore you not like I'm a fucking cleric or anything or some professional prophet, but I would, I would implore you to explore the whole concept of Ikigai and, and write it down. That was something that we did as a part of the offsite program was in like week three or four, we wrote down, um, we created our own Ikigai chart basically and wrote down mm-hmm. what we love, what we can be paid for, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's, it was, it was, it's a hard exercise. It took like three hours and it was tough to do and like sticky notes and scrap like scribbles and, you know, you're crossing things out. But even though it was very hard and it took a long time, there's a sense of like weird clarity after that. They're like, Hmm, I kind of understand myself a little bit more than I did three hours ago. Yeah. So I would, uh, rant alert but i would uh i would implore you to like to to check it out yeah no for sure very interesting concept maybe i need to Mm -hmm. do that with sticky notes on my wall there's a free space right there i think you do i i I would i would very much implore you i'm very blown out right now as you can see but that's because i have no blinds on my window just got the heavenly glow just a heavenly glow it's just me it's just i was gonna say it's perfect after you just said professional profit it might be a contradiction i don't know I think it goes against the whole idea of being a prophet. Exactly. But, like, yeah. when essentially, like I'm a I'm a prophet, but like I'm getting paid for it, obviously, because we're professional. Yeah, exactly. It's like I do I do this for a living. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but but I think the whole the whole icky guy thing goes goes very strongly with strongly with your say your grand mission to eventually one day become an Imagineer at Disney. Yeah. It's the whole and the fact that you're now say chasing something that you're passionate about, you're pursuing this thing without overthinking it and overbaking the concept in general. You know, you're not giving yourself a strict stringent plan saying I need to be at this place in 3 years. Yeah. I need to be working at Disney in 3 years. It could take it could take 3 months. Yeah. It could take 15 years. Right? Yeah. Hopefully it doesn't take 15 years. And I think that's also the thing too. Like I, I, for me, like Imagineering, uh, that's one thing I actually kind of, uh, this past year since, since graduation or year and a bit, um, which is analyzing, like I, I wanted to be an Imagineer since I was five years old. So that's something like I, like, was that a concept was imagine is Imagineering really what I want to do? Or is that something, is that, it does Imagineering represent something to me that I really want to do, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and I think that's something I've kind of discovered as well. There's so, I have so many passions like for sustainability, for, you know, classical industrial design, for theme park design. There's so many different things that I enjoy, um, and just opening myself up to all those different things. And, um, I kind of made a whole list of that stuff. Like what makes me happy, you know, money aside, like, let's say, you know, I didn't have to worry about money. What would make me happy and, um, and doing what would make me happy, um, and, you know, like there's so many different things imagining was one of them. And there's a diff- bunch of different, uh, you know, pushing sustainability, um, you know, helping to 
promote people less consumerism and more focusing on quality and what we're doing with every purchase and whatnot. There's so many different things that I'm really passionate about. Um, and, uh, and just keeping myself open to those different opportunities rather than focusing so close and hard on one position and one company and one thing. Uh, I think life is so much more interesting when you keep it open and let kind of fate and, you know, the cards fall where they are and just go with, 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 with the flow and, and really focus on what kind of skills that you enjoy developing, what skills you're good at, and um, what where your passions are, and then just follow those, and then things will start falling into place, right? Like I may never become an Imagineer, and that wouldn't make me ha- that wouldn't make me sad, um, because I know that whatever I chose to do instead of that was much better for me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like keeping that um, that opening, because I think like going into school, I had this whole my life was planned. Like I literally planned out everything until I retired. Like everything was planned in an Excel spreadsheet with dates and timelines and plan A, B, and C, how I get there. Everything was like listed out where now we're kind of just like, okay, great. Like that's cool. But that doesn't like, who am I to know what's best for, for, for me and who am I supposed to like know how to map out the way I'm going to learn and develop as a designer. Um, and not knowing is kind of a little bit more exciting than knowing. Well, totally. That was very well spoken. That was very well said. Thank you. <laughs> what's what's the like? I, is there a hard part though of not? Because like like you said, it's if you don't end up as an as an Imagineer, it's not the end of the world. You know, your life isn't a failure if that doesn't happen. But how can you continue? How do you or how do you rather continue to stay motivated towards that goal without pressuring yourself? to to get that job um, like I, I i totally relate to that like there's places yeah. that i want to work there's roles that i want to be in but i know the odds of that happening are pretty slim yeah but there's still like a a background it's like chrome running in the background it's always well, don't, don't there. say pretty slim you know positive reinforcement yeah. <laughs> we'll get there you never know you never know um i guess how i stay motivated with it is um well, I really looked into why did Imagineering draw me from the beginning? You know, what was it about Walt Disney that really inspired me? What was it about um, the, cu- the culture and the company that really, you know, drew me towards it? And a lot of it was just how creative and open-minded they are. You know, um, this guy had this one idea, um, I forget his name, blanking on it, um, but he used gyroscopes to make this like little pole always land on the one side every time. And they gave him a budget and two guys to work in a warehouse. And that ended up becoming their Stuntronic program, where, which is now live in Disneyland, where they launch a Spider-Man robot into the air and he does backflips and lands. So that all started with just little, uh, you know, gyroscope inside of a basically tube. And he said, oh, I've got this idea. What do you think? And they're like, cool, that could be something. Here's a budget. Go work on it. You know, and so many companies are just so much like every single area has to be producing some sort of money and some sort of value. And they always have to be like, what's your job? What are you providing to the company? Where Disney knows that they, the the reason they're so good at what they do and the reason everyone loves them is because of the details and because they develop the most random technology that is like so cool and out there. And it's all about storytelling and they don't mind spending the extra money to do little things that no one cares about you know like in expedition everest in animal kingdom all of the um torn up 
props that are supposed to look like the Yeti destroy them was actually designed and built and thrown into a cage of tigers and the tigers ripped it up. Hmm. An artist could have ripped it up, but they wanted to take it to that next level of authenticity. <laughs> you know, right. so like there's there's like costly put into things just to make it authentic, just to bring that extra level of detail and and stuff like that. And that is what really I've come to realize is what I enjoy and love about Imagineering. And I can get that same experience at either a company I start or at Disney Imagineering or at another company. And, um, and then, and then the other component is just creating environments that transport people, you know, like I remember every time I went to Disney world, just going to those different environments and being whisked away to whatever fantasy mm-hmm. land they created. And like that transformative environment is so like, I can imagine, like, can you imagine designing something like that and then walking in and seeing like thousands of guests all like mouths jaw dropped at something that you helped create yeah. like that rewarding feeling must be so amazing um so there's so those are the real components of what make me want to work in imagineering um and now i'm focusing more less on focusing on getting to imagineering but more focusing on getting to companies that do that or build my own company that does that um and if it's working in imagineering it's working in imagineering that'd be you know lifelong dream if it's not it's not um but always working towards learning about those things and how do I make myself a better designer and how do I, you know, inch my way closer and closer to being um, able to contribute to something like that is what keeps me motivated. Well, so how can you, how can you like translate that into say, cause you're, you're infamous for doing your own thing, mm-hmm. starting, starting a company <laughs> and then just running with it, doing that. How do you see yourself applying those those aspirations and those concepts that you looked up to as a kid that attracted you to Imagineering in the first place, how can you translate that into something accessible that you can do? Um, like right now or? Yeah, say say now or say in five years. Okay. Um, I mean, I think it really looks at, um, be looking at different, uh, different problems. For example, let's say um, theme park design. That takes a lot of money. So me starting a theme park design company now would be, very hard <laughs> convincing people that I could do that. Also, I don't know the first thing about designing an entire theme park. You know, I know how to do elements of it. I know how to do components of it. So that, so for me, if I was to go, if I was to want to start a theme park company, first things first would be like, well, how do I network and build a, you know, get to know, be known in the industry? Um, how do I go out about learning about how to do all that? Um, who do I need to surround myself with? So those would be like the things I would look into and then figure out how to like get there. Um, right now, like I do have Kinda Inc., obviously, uh, which is the company I started with a friend, uh, Crystal Flesh. And um, so that company is a tech development company. Uh, so we're focusing on developing tech in divergent um, industries. Um, so like to explain what that is, I guess. Um, so divergent tech would be um, an example, a bad example of what not it, what it, a bad example of divergent tech would be like a flying car, right? Mm-hmm. So it's taking a concept of flying, which is an airplane taking you from long distances and a car that takes you from shorter distances and putting them together. That's a divergent tech piece that would fail because there's no real purpose for it. Yeah, um, right. Where um, something like, uh, let's say an iPhone is a divergent tech that did work because it took a computer and a phone, which are two seemingly opposite things. You know, Computers were like accessing the internet and doing stuff and softwares and stuff like that. And phones were calling people and put them together. 
um and they became such a they were you know match made in heaven in a sense because like our now our phones we don't really spend a lot of time talking on our phones <laughs> we nope. spend more time surfing through instagram or like you know using apps and web and whatnot taking photos TikTok. TikTok, like so many different things um so that would be a successful piece of divergent tech because they took two seemingly different things and they found out that they could put them together to solve a unique purpose um so that's uh so that's one that's what kinect does and um how i kind of get really inspired by that is the the unknown and um building a better future so like i'm kind of a bit of a futurist at heart i always like i'm very optimistic sometimes annoyingly optimistic <laughs> um and like i think using divergent technology we can really or even just technology period we can really help push the boundary and start focus and building towards a better future um so for me that is that is one passion i have um and that for me that was a passion that i realized was a simpler one to start rather than getting into let's say building the next disney world <laughs> or becoming a company that disney could hire so i think for me i just laid my cards out on the table of everything that i want to accomplish between now and when you know i pass away and what do I, which ones can I do now and which ones are going to take me to the next level, right? So Kynite um, was an easier one to start. And eventually as it builds and grows and grows, who knows, we could start a theme park division of Kynite. And, uh, you know, I could become a contemporary of Disney. And, uh, you know, I may never end up working for Disney, but then I'll end up working for Disney through my own company. Um, and I think that's one, that's one of the things that I started realizing when I needed to open up my directions rather than wholeheartedly working towards one path of getting into a company, working my way up a company. Kynet was a great example of something that came about randomly, but it was something that I'm like, this could be great, right? This could be something. And um, I love it just as much. And that also too brought in a lot of weird emotions for myself because I was like, wait, I'm doing something that's seemingly not what I always wanted to do, yet mm -hmm. I'm loving it so much. And then I'm like, well, which one do I love more? Will I ever make one? And then, you know, trying to, and then I realized, I'm like, I can't, a career is fluid, you know? Mm -hmm. You can yeah. start something, you can move on. I could even, you know, Kainai Inc. could have a subsidiary that does something that is theme park related. Or I may never end up doing theme parks because what I really loved about theme parks doesn't just apply to theme parks. It applies to so many different industries. Um, and yeah. I think I kind of veered off that question, but <laughs> no, that was, no, I, I enjoy the was, rant. I enjoy well, the rant. I see that as well. Like that's going back to the important thing you said about not focusing, not narrowing it down so much yeah. where you're like almost being closed minded. Like I just want to do this one thing. Cause like you said, like if you were still had that mindset of just focusing on just being an Imagineer, you wouldn't have maybe seen these other possibilities and maybe not of, of, you know, experience or find, uh, found out that like hey i actually like doing this because mm -hmm. that was like that's like my journey that i'm still on with like car design yeah because as for as long as i can remember growing up it was like well i i want to be a race car driver oh no that's probably not gonna work well i want to design cars then and then go through humber being like that i have to do that whatever it is i only i can only do that and if i don't do it i give up you know i'm, I'm disappointed whatever and then, you know, found out how difficult it was, but also by the end of last year, exploring other different area design and stuff. And I'd be like, actually, I kind of like found 
Oh, Dylan's blocking the glare. <laughs> I'm blocking the glare. I don't. I don't have my. I'm not. I'm, right. I'm not asking a question. Um, <laughs> yes, Dylan. Um, but like, I, you know, I wouldn't have if I stayed so focused on that. I wouldn't have kind of noticed things that like, oh, I actually like doing this and this. And looking back, I'm or looking at it now, I'm like, is it? Am I in love with the idea of being a car designer? Was that what I like? I've always loved since I was a kid. Or was it actually being a car designer? Now listening to other car designers or people that used to be in car design talking about like the politics and what it's actually like, it's like maybe I was more in love with the idea. But then maybe within that idea, there's something that like that's where the passion is, not just specifically drawing a car. Yeah. And that's exactly how I felt now with like other avenues of design that I've kind of picked up on. I'm like, actually, like. I really like doing this, but then I'm like, well, but that isn't necessarily connected to what I wanted to do. So does that mean I don't love that anymore? Is that like, yeah. you know, but it's, I, I, I totally agree with that. I think that's a really powerful thing of like kind of being more open, open-minded and be like, well, maybe I can do that, but in a, from a different way, you know, like you yeah. said, like, you know, being an Imagineer or, or, you know, working with theme parks, like the stuff that you love about that isn't necessarily specific to just theme parks. And there's elements of that, which is the elements that you're just not passionate about the theme park idea specifically. It's passionate about, you're passionate about the, the elements within the theme park, the experiences. And, the, and, and so those things are in many other things. Right. But again, being too narrow-minded you may not realize that yeah and then you know obviously that leads into when you don't do that one thing it's like kind of a bummer right like, yeah <laughs> exactly just, you know and i think we always put our so much we always put like timelines on ourselves like you yeah. know we're all relatively at the same age i think and um 98 97 Oh yeah, you're 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 ancient. <laughs> <laughs> whole year, whoa. A whole year. Um, but like yeah, like we're you know, we're in our early twenties and we're just like thinking, oh yeah, if we don't make it by the time we're in our thirties or something like that, like <laughs> it's a then we're gonna be in our forties, then we're gonna be fifties, and that's gonna be retirement. Yeah. Like might as well be dead by then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like I was listening to a podcast with um uh Bob Gurr was on it. So Bob Gurr was like the um mm-hmm. he's the reason I found out about industrial design. Mm-hmm. he was like because he's an imagineer isn't he he was an imagineer yeah he was an imagineer. and he designed like the vehicles for disneyland um and whatnot so he he's like in his 90s i think he's like 92 93 something like that wow. and he was on the podcast talking about how he still designs to this day like he works as a designer and he was so excited because he was just finally mastering solidworks <laughs> and he was what talking all about solidworks and how exciting it is and he was like He's like, yeah, he's like, I wake up every day. He's like, I'm going to misquote him completely. He's just like, I look around like, yep, I still got a pulse. Great. Where's my computer? And then he just starts designing. And it kind of just struck me. I'm like, wow, he's like 70 years older than me. Like, I have a long career. And he's still learning and being And he's still learning and he's still designing and he's still doing different things in design. And he left Disney like in his 40s and he developed his own career going a different direction. So there's, there's, we have so much time to develop and go into different industries and to do different mm-hmm. things i think like there's so much pressure on us to like you know 
pick which school you want to go to and then what career do you, what internship do you want to go to? Everyone's always asking what career you're going into. And it's like so much pressure for us to figure it all out right away. When in reality, you've got hopefully a lot of life to figure out where you want to go. And right. there's, and you shouldn't put yourself on that timeline because you're just going to rush through life trying to get to where you want to go. And you're always going to be playing catch up rather than just letting it happen. Right. Was that a hard transition for you to go from planning your entire life in an Excel spreadsheet to being just complacent with the fact that it'll go where it goes? Yeah. Um, but it was kind of, uh, so in fourth year, um, I was diagnosed with cancer and, um, I had that in there too. What the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) I had stomach cancer and, um, it kind of like and then I got really sick over the Christmas break and I wasn't sure I was actually going to come back to school because there was a chance I might not have made it. And I was like, wow, I spent my entire life planning everything out rather than enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And then when I got out and everything was, you know, a few surgeries, everything's good to go, cancer-free. So I'm totally fine now. But I'm like, that was like a really hard stop in my life to realize, wait, I need to learn to enjoy life and to go for it. Because I don't know if you guys remember in school, like I was – not always around. I was always working. I was always going from one place to the next place. I yeah. worked 40 hours a week. I had a 40 hours a week job throughout all school. And I was always going somewhere. I was always, I never slept. Like it was just go, 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 go. And then I kind of just realized, I'm like, wait, why am I doing all this? And it was just because I wanted to get farther along in my career as fast as possible so that I could get to Imagineering right away. Mm-hmm. And then I kind of realized, I'm like, wait, there's so much more to life to enjoy than just work than just, you know, developing yourself and in, in a career sense. And there's so much, and so much of us being a designer is experiencing life and taking those life experiences and, and redeveloping them and redesigning them and, and re-figuring things out and, and not going out and seeing the world um, is really a disservice. Um, and also like having the uh, cockiness to think that you know what's best and how to figure out your career and I need to do this, I need to do that, rather than letting it kind of develop, um, I think is uh, something I kind of just realized. Of course, there's you need to plan, you need to figure things out. And I'm still a planner. I've got my Excel spreadsheets going still. <laughs> you know, I love my planning, but I'm more open to what's to happen. And, you know, I, I know what I want, where I want life to go, but then I also am willing to for life to take a random direction, right? Mm-hmm. How important have you found that perspective shift? Um, I think super important. Um, I definitely, um, I think, I think it was a really, so in school, I definitely drew a lot of energy from the fear of missing out. So I feared of missing out on that opportunity. I feared maybe like someone would come along and offer me a job and I didn't have the portfolio ready for them, or I didn't have the portfolio that I wanted to have ready for them. And I wouldn't be able to showcase my skills or wouldn't have my skills developed in time and something came along. Um, and that was that's a very exhausting thing to use as your fuel for your passion. And um, over COVID, I kind of readjusted that that drive um, and to be more. I like creating. I love making. I love designing. And that is what you know drives my passion. And that is what makes me get up every day and you know, you know pull on that or still sometimes and you know, push myself to do things is because I love it, rather than fear of missing out. Um, and so that definitely makes it, I feel like a lot more, because um, I feel like after school, I kind of not necessarily lost my love of design, but also was kind of questioning, like, is this really the career path I wanted? Because <laughs> it was, it, you know, it, had, it was like, um, I had worked so hard and, you know, 
being sick for, during my fourth year really was was tough to get through that fourth year. Um, and I was just relying on just the finish line rather than actually enjoying the process of doing thesis or during, enjoying the process of actually designing something. Um, and then I kind of realized I hadn't designed something that I loved since I got into school. So I just started creating things, just passion projects, you know, just random little things here and there. And then um, that's why I went back to school for UX UI design because I'm like, I want another kick at school where I can do something for the passion of it rather than for the fear of missing out. Um, and then when I finished the course in UX UI design, I was like, I, I just continued developing and just continue, you know, re like re-inspiring myself and re-finding out what makes me tick as a designer and what really fuels me um, rather than focusing on that using fear to fuel me. I was focusing on my passion to fuel me. Do you think that you would have had the same clarity around that concept if you hadn't gone back and done the UX UI course? Like if you hadn't pursued something out of passion as opposed to the fear of missing out or doing something because you felt societally pushed towards that thing. Do you think you would have had the same clarity? Like it's obviously a retrospective question, mm -hmm. but I'm um, curious what your thoughts are. I think I, I would. I'm a very introspective person. So I think I would have um, figured it out. I would have just, uh, I'm always learning. Like, you know, I, will, I went and bought like 10 textbooks on hand-drawn animation and I've been like hand-drawn animating for the past six months because I think it's just a cool thing to learn. Um, so I think in contact with Reese Bennett at all. I have not. No, get in contact with Reese yeah. Bennett because he's doing animation at Seneca now. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I almost went to Seneca for animation, actually. You could have been classmates. Oh, man. Should have. That would be special. <laughs> that would be special. Not to, to totally him. divert from your monologue there, but. Yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, no, I think like, uh, yeah, I think. I think that was something that was going to be inevitable. Um, I was going to hit like uh, I hit a burnout very early <laughs> in my career before school even finished. Um, and uh, but I think I think that's just the type of person I am. I'm, I'm very I put everything in all my energy. So it's like it's either good or bad. Um, and then I always periodically um, every three months I do an introspective of the past three months and I journal it out and I analyze did I you know am I happy with where I'm at whatever in the past three months and then i just kind of so i will always do that so i think it would have been something i would have came to come i would have figured out eventually but um definitely going back to school and kind of just having fun with school because uh, it was a pass or fail thing it wasn't uh wasn't a marks thing which i really love um so i could definitely you know just explore rather than um just so focused on getting top marks mm -hmm. right was there any like design related learnings that came from that UX UI course as opposed to just personal development side of things? Um, I mean, there's a lot of like UX UI stuff. Um, that's just like, you know, uh, just like the tricks of the trade, like learning how people interact. Um, I think it was like made me really focus on a lot of uh, uh, 2D, like it's very graphical in some instances and how do people approach, like there's a technical stuff, like how do people approach a screen, you know? Uh, where's your eyes are like your hands what part of the screen can you touch on your phone um and all, all those type of uh, of stuff I've, i learned a lot about that um but definitely like i it kind of i felt it was a very nice like i almost wish humber had that as like a fifth year mm -hmm. um where you could like graduate with a minor in ux ui design or something like that where you could because it, it definitely goes very hand in hand with industrial design um and if i i think it made my me as a industrial designer a lot better because it really was focused on how do you interact with something and how do you perceive 
things from a graphical sense, which is a little bit simpler than from a three-dimensional sense, but those same skills immediately apply it back to the three dimensions. And is it is it actually just designing buttons? Because we I think Zach and I have a very, very narrow perspective on what UX UI is and probably a little bit of a salty perspective towards it as well, because mm-hmm. every job is for a product designer, but there's almost no jobs for industrial designers. I know. It's kind of crazy. That's actually one of the reasons why I went in. Yeah, exactly. I got so confused trying to find an industrial design job and said product design. I'm like, yeah, that's what I do. And then I'm realizing, oh, wait, you need coding. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's definitely a lot. Um, I think each course depends on like what they're actually how what they're actually um, approaching. Uh, the course I did um, at CalArts focused a lot on um, they had like the whole component where you start in the graphics sense. You learned about graphic design a little bit um, and then how to like do a little bit of like analysis and data and how to like put together how people are going to react to design and whatnot. And then it focused a bit on the actual design and whatnot. Um, out of that, I realized that like I needed to learn coding. Um, mm-hmm. Also at the same time, that's when I started Kynite and Blue Card with my friend. So um, coding was something we both um, jumped on learning. And so I ended up learning a lot about web design and whatnot. But yeah, it's it's definitely more than just button design. But I think I think there's a variety. It's not a very regulated industry, <laughs> so there's right. there's a variety of what you can learn. And that's why really it was really what you made out of it. I noticed it was like I came out of it learning coding and front and back end development and app design. But that 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 wasn't what everyone else came out with it. You're you you can produce your own takeaway in yeah. a sense from this thing. Yeah. Hmm. What was the pro what was the program called? Because you mentioned oh, you mentioned CalArts. I'll send you the link. I don't remember what the name of it was, but um it was That's like okay. one of those online You had one job. It's yeah. all good. I know. <laughs> you had one job just to, to remember know. the simple name of the simple <laughs> program. You had one job, Chad. It's okay. Thanks for thanks for coming on. We'll see yeah. you later. Um, <laughs> No, that would be that would be that would be a bit rude. Um, <laughs> you and you and Zach had an interaction a couple two three weeks ago now. Yeah, something probably, like that. Oh my god, probably already. It was, yeah, it was a it was a random episode that Zach and I obviously we never intend to go in a specific direction when we sit down Almost to record never. an episode. It's always like, do you have anything to talk about? No, do you have anything to talk about? <laughs> No, let me let me look through my my camera roll and my yeah. screenshots or my notes and see if I've written down anything or taken a photo of anything recently that's somewhat mildly stimulating. Um and I don't think like I I think we went into that episode being just totally open and saying, oh, it is what it is, we'll do whatever. Mm-hmm. And then it went into unpacking or at least attempting to unpack just a whole sense of creative unfulfillment on on zach's part and like struggling with i don't know zach you 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 speak to it it's it's your brain it's not mine um well yeah i know it was it was one of my typical therapy sessions i suppose (laughs) (laughs) uh design design therapy that's got to be a name for something already right probably (laughs) probably. if not we'll make it like a weekly bi-weekly thing isn't there like uh, unbox therapy or something like that unbox therapy yeah he's a new market guy yeah it could be like design therapy that's got to be taken. That has to be Probably. for something. I don't know. If I'll not, check the like, domain name as you 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 unpack. <laughs> I was say if not, that's like a good name for something. I'll check. I'll Some check. sort of account or YouTube series or something. Design therapy. It's a furniture design company. 
Oh, Interesting. That's a bummer. Sounds like a good YouTube channel, like a YouTube uh, series or something. Design therapy. It's actually just a bunch of like uploads of like live streams of me sitting in the dark at like three <laughs> in the morning, being like, "Hey guys, uh, feeling like I suck at design, so here's me making a random T-shirt or something." And it's just like, just like ASMR sounds of like Copic markers and like sketching. <laughs> and then oh fuck, it's out of ink, and then it's just me yeah. squeezing the ink dropper into the into the tip, and I'm like, okay, reload it um yeah the domain's taken yeah <laughs> of course it sounded too good not to be to be honest like oh, it doesn't yeah. have to be. but no i mean it was one of those like you know times are tough right now anyways for probably most people if not everyone um and i guess it was just like a, a period i'm in of the, the struggle of like you know going through the four years and being like holy shit this is what i want to do something to do with this you know and then not and then going through thesis and being like i'm I'm looking so forward to doing this and then not being able to do it mm-hmm. <laughs> and then be like well i have these skills like that i enjoy using and this knowledge limited knowledge but still knowledge that i'm like you know is pretty useful but i can't really apply it um in a professional sense anyways and it was just kind of this, like, you know, this time I feel like almost like, uh, you know, the loss of the creative spirit, if you will, in a way, you know, like not having the, like, I feel like life's just sucking that creative juice out of you. And it's like, kind of like what you'd mentioned, like, you know, Chad, when you, when we finished and you were like, you know, is this, or when you, when you said we finished Humber and you're like, is this even what I want to do? You know, it's that kind of thing. It's like, well, I'm telling myself, like, I'm pretty sure this is my passion. <laughs> like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty fucking sure. But there's like a weird, like, you know, am I doubting it mm-hmm. because it isn't true, or am I doubting it because it's just like a frustrating time and I can't, you know, get a job in it or something like that? You know. Um. But yeah, no, it was nice that you reached out after after you're like, hey man, I just listened to the episode. Yeah. <laughs> And and sense of really kind words and uh, I don't know I think it was one of those like important things that people should talk about that you don't really hear mm-hmm. and I feel like again memory's awful but I feel like in that episode or or an episode after we talked about like you know other design podcasts that are absolutely great and have some really great professionals on but they almost come off as a bit intimidating. Because they're mm. like, these guys. Oh, did Dylan? Okay, he's he, he should be. I think oh. Dylan lagged out again. He should be back in. Um, but it was the idea of like, I don't know if you feel this too with some podcasts, but it's like, they're nice people, but they've done so much, yeah. and sometimes they're like young too, and they've done already done so much at such a high level, and you're like, and they just talk about you know working all the time, late nights all the time. I'm yeah. doing this. I'm doing this. I've learned this. Whatever. And it's almost like this overwhelming, like, man, like, do I suck or like, am I the only one, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, struggling or something like that, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever found that. Like, I don't know. You, you always seem like a really, you know, at least, at least to me, like, you've always been, like you said, that person in school. You're always doing something. Yeah. Like you'd be presenting something, 
in a class and then you'd leave and you're like oh yeah i'm going to like work on this or i'm going yeah. to do my job or something we're all like oh my god like what like you're, you're doing more <laughs> shit like like oh my god you know like we're trying to do this and this and you're already doing like four times the amount you know yeah but have you kind of have you experienced do, that too like i do feel like that like I, I think i look back um and i think that's why i really connected and that's why like i reached out like i finished yeah. the episode and i reached out really because i was like this is something i definitely have felt um and, and you're right everyone starts a podcast um once they become successful or have reached a certain level in their career yeah. and they feel like they can have an authority to talk about something. And I think that's why I really like connected with your guys' podcast when I first found out about it was the fact that, you know, you guys were contemporaries. You guys are going through the same things I'm going through, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we're all, you know, the three of us are in varying levels of, you know, whatever you want to call success. You know, we've all done different things, lived different lives, but at the same time, we're all kind of in the same point you know, and going through the same emotions of figuring out what we are as designers and, and whatnot. And, um, and you're right, like, you know, like you mentioned, like, you know, I was always going off and doing something during school. And yet, I still felt the exact same way as you do. And I think and that's what it was like, really striking me. I was like, you know, like, yeah, I did, you know, uh, was always doing something was always, you know, going here and there, you know, and whatnot, and you felt the way you feel and I'm working in a design job, and I still feel the same way as you. Mm. And I was like, it's really that's what that's why I reached out because I'm like it's something I don't think it's it's whether you had a design job or not I think that was like it's a place in life that you're going to feel that way anyways unless it was the right job or you figure out that right calling it's like that that cusp when you're trying to figure out where to go um and that kind of realization like up until you once you finish university like your path is was in the past pretty much set in stone you know you did elementary school you went to high school you went to post-secondary you graduated you got internship you get a job you know and then once kind of that all finished everyone goes through that kind of phase of trying to figure out where they're going to go and then we just got thrown in the rent with the global pandemic and like the world shutting down so you know limited jobs harder to get a job you know whatnot so i think like a lot of those emotions was i think it was really like important to hear about that uh because i think you're voicing a lot of things that everyone was feeling Mm -hmm. um and i think that's why your your guys's podcast is is so great and why I literally like I kid you not I listen to it every day like you guys and Dateline are the top two podcasts I listen to (laughs) (laughs) like yeah because like you're welcome yeah um it really just like um I think it's it's something that like you like you guys say you don't have an agenda when you guys start you just start talking and just how it flows how it flows and it really just feels like a conversation like I usually are like I take a half hour lunch I never eat I always just sketch during my lunch and I just have you guys turned on and like I just robot yeah no robot um <laughs> no like it, it just it felt like the uh the talks you know you'd ha- hear people having or you'd have in like this in like the studio or in like right. the workshop at school and it's kind of like it's a really interesting thing it's like I listen to a lot of podcasts like way too many and everyone is always like kind of not necessarily preaching at you, but they're talking about a subject, right? They're talking about something. They're teaching you something where you guys are just like, it's a kind of like experiencing life with you guys. And there's always lessons along the way um, in, in each episode. But I think that um, it's a very unique thing because it, it is something that's, um, I think a lot of young designers need to hear about because a lot of those emotions, people don't talk about, you know, or you talk about yeah. with your close friends. And, you know, if you don't have anyone to talk about that, you feel like you're alone in that emotion and you're like, okay, well, I'm the only one who feels this. I must not be good at this. I must not be my calling. And then they drop out, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah. And that's, and that's like, 
obviously like what we say what we kind of went for you know was that feeling like we want it to feel like it is kind of a shop conversation at like one in the morning where everyone's like taking a break and everyone's half asleep and being like you know what like do i want to be doing that you know it's kind of i think also like you know i like the way you put it though it's kind of like you know you it's more a conversation where you're like kind of people can feel like they're experiencing a, just a life conversation with us which is kind of like a nice way like i, I I'm, I'm glad it comes off like that i i think that's like our hope to come off like that right mm-hmm. because you know we're not in the position where we could be preachy if we wanted to mm-hmm. like maybe there's some things that like yeah we feel pretty confident but then you know you see some of these podcasts these guys are like you know maybe they've been doing it for longer than we've been alive. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, okay, well, fair enough. You can say what you want to say. You got enough to back it up. But even still, like sometimes it comes off like, you know, I think a lot of people appreciate if some famous guy was like, yeah, no, I like struggled for years and I almost quit because I didn't think this is what I want to do. And I think a lot of people, a lot of young designers would love to hear something like that just as reassurance right you know it's kind of like when you know every time we have someone like you like someone we graduated with and ask them you know or or a year below and be like you know what was your first year like because like we said many times a lot of people's is really rough but then there's always one thing which is everyone thinks they're the only one going through that yeah and then it turns out like you know we're talking to people it's like wait you had a rough first year too like you were in your room like not in the shop like on the verge of tears and throwing something through a window because you hate it like holy shit like you weren't the only one doing that right yeah just kind of talking about that i think is really important because again the community is small big but small but big but small you know it's it feels big sometimes but it's also very very small and i think it's yeah i don't know i think it's kind of good to talk about that stuff right like Well, when you feel that emotion, I think a lot of people feel talking about it and voicing it to other people is like admitting that you're feeling that. Yeah. And a lot of people get like an imposter syndrome of like, well, am I really a designer? Like, I don't want to say this because I don't want to like voice this into the world and let other people know that I'm feeling like this. I think that was like one thing I noticed about school a lot of the times was a lot of people put up fronts of like confidence in their work or they felt a way about this and that and when you'd have a one-on-one conversation sometimes you could see that fall apart or you could see through that and um i think like i think just generally in life like people need to be to just speak their truth more and just kind of you know not worry so much about what others think um yeah and just kind of you know this is the way you feel talk about it you know of course talk about it with the right people but like talk about yeah. it and like and and um and you you grow so much more because then you'd have so much more confidence realizing that you're on or the right path um and you're just feeling an emotion that everyone else is feeling yeah exactly i think societally though it's it's very because i I totally agree with what you're saying but it's definitely very difficult to do that in a social context especially as a male you know Mm. there's always the and not to make it male versus female or anything or say that either party has it worse off or harder because that's not the point the point is that it's not even a point it's it's an observation and it's a it's a personal experience that i've had that zach's had that i'm sure you've had as well Mm -hmm. chad that as a male admitting that you're not feeling confident in something or admitting that you're feeling frustrated or 
not fulfilled or having a hard time is perceived as as weakness or it's yeah, perceived as yeah. you're a weak man because of that and it retracts from your quality and your inherent manhood yeah which is obviously totally wrong and totally false and it's a false precept built upon this whole society that we live in but it totally translates it go it goes it penetrates right into school where you need you you feel as if you need to be confident in your work all the time even if you're not and there's a sense of faking it till you make it but there's also a sense of just being authentic and being truthful with yeah. and saying saying what's on your mind saying how you feel if you feel like shit and you're not having a good time and you're really struggling you say that mm-hmm. you don't say oh i'm doing okay and then mm-hmm. you look into someone's eyes and you can, you can tell yeah. Like looking into like if you if you pay attention to someone's eyes and the expression that they have, even if they say they're doing okay, you can tell like no, this person's struggling. Like yeah. creatively, socially, emotionally, yeah. physically, yeah. there there there's a sense of suffering. Yeah. You know? Is there have you have you had to have you had a personal experience like that where you've physically, emotionally, psychologically been struggling? in a creative context or in a personal context, but you feel as if you have to put up this front. Yeah. I mean, I think every day, um, really, I think there's a lot, not that, not that I'm struggling every day, but I think there's a lot of times where, um, you put up a front for yourself, um, or you have an emotion that you don't even know how to handle. And rather than talking about it, you'd rather put it up. And I think like, like you said, like, especially as men, like it's, you're not, really supposed to have those weaknesses <laughs> you know um like people don't view it as attractive or as you know manly or whatnot and and it's a very weird thing to not have to to always have to put that up and i'm a scorpio so we don't talk about shit <laughs> we just go <laughs> we we you know we are we're always like our stingers are out waiting for someone to pull a knife on us um I'm a typical so, cancer i just crawl up in a fetus position and cry about it <laughs> i love that <laughs> yeah like for me like i'm so like I, as you guys probably know like i'm very or maybe not um i'm a very spiritual person um and um so i practice i practice witchcraft actually um damn so yeah can you unpack that yeah sure um so Please? like because like um, what the fuck i'm so interested yeah so like um there's a i mean there's a number of different types of what witchcraft means to certain people um but like i'm a i'm a very spiritual person in the sense i do a lot of um first nation spiritualism as well as uh i kind of a a little bit of a collage of everything um Mm. but like i'm very much into like like i'm always wearing stones and, and crystals and i'm always meditating and always you know whatnot and um so like I've always been that type of person to always reflect on my emotions and, and whatnot, but in a very controlled sense where it's like I'll go through things, I'll walk through stuff. Um, and But only recently I, I've actually started to like open up about emotions with other people and start voicing things and, and whatnot. I think I started realizing how powerful that is to like share what you're going through with other people rather than always having to be the person with all the answers. And I think like in school I was always – like people would come to me for, you know, just talking about school and whatnot. And I always felt like if someone came up to me and asked me a question about school, I would always have to have an answer for it. You know, I'd always have to have, I was always, mm-hmm. always the one with the notes. I was always the one that was like giving a piece of advice to someone. Like I couldn't go to someone to talk about something for whatever reason. I don't know why that was, why I perceived that. Um, You're the person that people go to. You don't go to other people. That's exactly. Yeah. 
exactly and then i kind of like in the fourth year i was kind of like because i worked in the laser lab right so i had a lot of younger years coming up and asking me questions about stuff and and whatnot and a lot of like my our year coming up and asking me stuff about the laser lab and whatnot and there was always like um and i kind of just realized i'm like who do i go to Mm -hmm. and i was like google podcasts books like i didn't actually go to someone to talk and ask even professors i didn't even go to majority of the professors unless they were actually critiquing me i didn't usually go to them and ask and i was like why and i you know was it like i was too proud to like go talk to someone um and i've still to this day don't know why i didn't um and it didn't dawn on me until like that point there it's okay to show that you're not unsure of something and like not having the answers doesn't mean you'll never have the answers and not having the answers at that moment doesn't mean that you're an inferior designer or you're an inferior person. It just means that you're learning and you're on a journey. Um, and I think when it, when it came to like, uh, and how like spiritualism ties into that is how I kind of, like I've realized that like, there's so much to this world and just seeing how, like I can give someone a hug and I can usually feel the emotion that they're feeling at that moment, even if they put up a false front. And just seeing how much pain and how like unsure people are of themselves, yet not willing to talk about that. And some of the most like confident people or confident people at school were the ones you could tell were the ones that were like suffering the most and doubting themselves the most. Um, and and then that's when I kind of realized I'm like, wait, like, we need to start talking about this more, you know, as men and as people and as designers, like we need to be more willing to talk about our emotions and then there's nothing wrong with having a moment of weakness or or a lot of moments of weaknesses and that doesn't make you a weak person that that makes you just a human really mm-hmm. that kind of touches on want... something oh sorry dylan no go ahead go ahead it kind of touches on something that i just thought of like after you said you know we should talk about it more like as men as people and in design specifically whatever and it was kind of like something that Dylan and I were talking about, I think just yesterday. And that was the Probably. importance of taking a break. Mm. So yesterday, mm-hmm. the day before, I've already lost track of the that week. Was e- it was yesterday. Maybe? Right? I don't know. Okay, yeah, it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. It was, the, it was the importance of, of taking a break. And I think that goes, connects to what we're talking about right now, about especially in a in a design setting of like, you know, especially in school it's not like it like i think school puts a bit of like creates a bit of a competitive atmosphere but i feel like there's a lot that's created just by all the students yeah and the profs and everyone just being like you know i gotta be the best of this i need to be getting the highest grades you know i need to be getting all the awards and you know i need to have the best thesis project and you know all this shit and that kind of creates that atmosphere in itself creates this like vibe that like you don't really talk about struggle and you know like you're not gonna like if someone's doing really well you're not gonna go up to me and be like you know i'm kind of struggling and i'm like you know it's kind of weird like it's not even saying people are closed off and they didn't want to talk about it but it kind of this weird vibe where it's like you a lot of the time you didn't want to talk to people it's like not culturally appropriate. <laughs> yeah, in a weird way, right? Like in a weird way, that was how it was created. And, you know, I, I wonder what your take is on like, because I think that connects to like, you know, the, the importance of taking a break that we were talking about yesterday of like, you know, I 
again, all these podcasts, all these really successful people are like, you know, you got to be sketching every day. How many times do the props tell us that you got to be doing this, this, you know, this is how I became successful. I did this and I didn't stop working my ass off. And the problem is though, it's like, it's not healthy. And sometimes Mm -hmm. maybe you have to be like that, but like, you can't do that for in the long run. It's not sustainable. Right. Cause like you said, you you kind of burnt yourself out already pretty early on in your career right so like from someone like you who was really you know working a lot constantly you know completely packing up your your schedule full of as much doing as much as possible right like do you do you now see more of a importance on on taking a break or do you think there's something maybe in school that should be kind of you know encouraged a little bit more yeah I mean, I think I think they definitely need to have a class on like um like how to creatively recharge yourself mm. or like a lesson or two on that, like a lecture, I should say. Um, because yeah, like I think for me, like I still work, you know, wake up five in the morning, work out, do work, go to my day job, come back, do work until midnight, go to sleep, do that. Like I still still I don't think much has really changed. Right. But just I give myself moments of break, right? So like I'm an avid meditator. I meditate a lot. So I'm always meditating all the time. Um, and then just, and also learning that certain, uh, like I, like when I sketch, sketch is like a sacred time for me. Sketchbook means right. no rules, no nothing, whatever. I can sketch on my iPad. I can sketch on my, you know, uh, computer. I can sketch on my sketchbook. Like there's nothing. And I think I give myself a lot of times to recharge where, you know, like, every once in a while I'll take off like a Sunday or a Saturday and I will do something creative with no purpose for it. And for me, that recharges me. So in a way, like I am still sketching every day. I am Mm -hmm. still developing that muscle every day, but I'm learning to use it to recharge myself rather than, because I think like in school, I think you go in, in high school, like, art class was always that thing of like, oh, great. Like that was like your, your break from going right. through, you know, and it, our, arts class was that recharge for us, most of us at least. Mm-hmm. And when we got to school, we went, we took our hobby and we became a profession and we, which is amazing, but then we also never built another hobby to replace that. And I think there's a really important thing to have a hobby and to have a moment of relaxing, um, and not feeling guilty about that, you know, like if you go up to the cottage, like bring your sketchbook, you know, bring some oil paints or some watercolors and sketch and you're still developing that muscle, but you're doing it in such a free and whatever zone and like not putting yourself on, like, don't put so much rules like, oh, I've got to finish this painting. I've got to do this much things like whatever. If you finish it, you finish it. If you don't, you don't. And having that freedom is really recharging for a creative person. You know, um, right, I yeah. love working out. So working out is a great way for me to like every day, one hour or two hours a day, like I'm doing something, disconnect, social media goes off, everything goes off and I just, you know, work out and it's disconnecting from things. I used to listen to podcasts while I work out. Now I don't I strictly listen to just like music or nature sounds or something like that while I'm working out mm-hmm. just because I, sometimes I want, I, I want to disconnect from learning for a moment and let my brain recharge um, because your brains are so bombarded with so much stuff, right? Um, and I deleted most social media off my, my phone, except LinkedIn and, um, in, in my design Instagram. But other than that, like I tried to disconnect myself from majority of distractions that are useless 
you know, you can spend hours on TikTok and then you've got a whole whack of work to do and then you feel overwhelmed and you're stressed. But was TikTok really recharging or was it giving you body dysmorphia because of all the people who have on human bodies because of whatever yeah. <laughs> you know, God, like exactly bodies. and they spend their entire life working out and, and you don't so you you know like there's so many different things i think like a lot of things that we count as recharging are actually kind of in a way toxic to us and i think mm. each person needs to analyze those different things and realize what is going to recharge me what is healthy for me what is unhealthy and then make those own calls for themselves and kind of create that balance in their life um and then once they've got that base, then they can start piling on the work on top of it and work 24 hours a day, you know, sleep, you know, three, four hours a night. But if they got that good base of recharging themselves and they got those good habits in there, then, you know, it, it will pile on and they'll be able to handle it because they've got that good, steady mental health state. But if you don't, then you need to cycle back and figure out how do you build that good foundation for yourself. Has your Some relationship with, with social media changed at all in the last, say, five, six months with, with that level of clarity. Cause um, especially as designers, it's, it's, it's weird. Cause you feel mm-hmm. there's a sense of pressure where you need to be sharing stuff, even if it's ugly work and it's rough process related work, you still feel the need to, there's an inherent need to feel, to share something because then yeah. it shows that you're still doing something, you know, to do it in a vacuum seems almost like, well, I'm doing it for myself and no one knows that I'm doing this thing. Like no one knew we did this podcast for like the first 50 episodes until we shared it on social media. We didn't have to share it. We could have let people find it organically, but we felt the need to share it. Yeah. Has that, has that pressure existed there for you or how is that, how has that Um, influenced you? It did for a bit. Like, I, you know, my personal Instagram account, I was doing some modeling back in school. And so, like, there was a whole pressure of posting for that and, and building up followers for that. And, like, a certain amount of followers brought you some credibility when it came to modeling. And there was, like, you know, you can make money off of it and whatnot. And that was a source of income for me. And so, like, I w- there was a pressure of putting, of building followers for that. Um, but then, like, I kind of, I kind of realized, like, social media can- is an amazing tool. But am I just going to be creating nonsense that's adding to the noise? Like, am I just posting random selfies, shirtless selfies that people are going to be like, Oh, great. Yay. You know, never like move on. Or am I going to create posts that are actually meaningful? Um, and that's why I deleted my personal grinder, uh, grinder um, Instagram off of uh, my phone so that I could focus solely on my um, design account. You know, if I'm going to share something that day, like, okay, great. I'm doing a sketch. I can post that sketch. You know, if I'm, if I see a quote that I really like, share that. If I see a podcast I really like, share that. But now my criteria is more of, am I going to be adding value by posting it? If not, I won't, I don't want to post it anymore. You know? And I think there is certain value. Like there's people who follow me who do want to see like, Oh, I went to patio. They want to see what I ate. Like there are people who enjoy following my life. So of course I'll, I'll post a little bit of that. And I do enjoy sharing my life with people. Um, and so there is that component bringing some sort of like human element to it. Uh, I don't think everything has to have it like a real innate, you know, hardcore meaning behind it. Not everything has but, to be a public service announcement, right? Exactly. Exactly. But Guys, I think, I'm on a patio. Yeah. I'm at the beach. <laughs> by the way, 
<laughs> exactly. And I think like if you know if you are a type of person who shares a lot, then great, share a lot. But I don't think if you're if you're a more introverted person who doesn't like sharing your life, then don't feel the need to share it. Um, but I think like sharing, you shouldn't be too hesitant to share your work either, because that's how you, you put your name out there. That's how you're like, com- like um, uh, providing your input into the community and whatnot. Um, and like if sent, if you don't, let's say for example, you don't produce a lot of high quality renders to post on Instagram, then maybe that's not what you're going to be posting on Instagram. Maybe you're going to be posting messy sketches, or maybe you're going to be creating a podcast, or maybe you're going to be creating a vlog where you talk about stuff, or maybe you're creating, you know, there's so many different ways of contributing to the online environment as a designer. Um, I think a lot of people just jump to those flashy renders that are done by those render gods on instagram and realize if i can't do that then i'm not gonna how am i supposed to make my way into the into the community it's like breaking up with the design for instagram type of a thing i think design for instagram is a whole subculture in itself where Mm -hmm. people will intentionally curate stuff specifically yeah to get likes and get followers on instagram but outside of that there's not there's not much substance. It's strictly for the platform, which is great. People make high quality three to five minute short films specifically for YouTube that will yeah. never end up in a theater or never end up on the red carpet or anything like that. No movie director is ever going to sit down and say, oh, I'd like to turn this into a giant franchise. They're spending hours of work on something that will live for three to five minutes on a virtual platform. Same thing with these, with these sketches or these, like the render God thing that you referenced, but it's so easy for that to seem like the industry standard as opposed to the Instagram standard. Yeah. And I think they're they're two very different things. They are different. Yeah. And like you go into someone's portfolio and it's, it's rough, crappy doodles maybe some light Photoshop shading to indicate a sense of form. But you see someone else's Instagram account and it's these stupid good key shot renders that have these crazy like speckled plastics and they're all animated and everything's moving and it looks super realistic. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, I don't know. I don't know what to, I don't know what to base myself off of. I don't know what, yeah. I don't, you, you don't know what's real. Yeah. Mm. And I think those are valid designers that are doing great stuff. And and that's, that's their strength, right? That's their strong suit, but it doesn't mean it has to be, uh, because like as designers, we create ideas, right? Mm -hmm. And whatever tool it is that you're using to create your ideas, uh, and whatever skill level you need it to be at to create, to do your job, that's what the skill level you need, right? I think you guys were talking about it in a few episodes back when you guys were talking about the Polestar competition. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And you were talking about, like, I forget which one of you mentioned, but you guys were talking about how, um, what if uh, you, you spend all this time do- developing a render and whatnot, and then the uh, the guy who's, like, judging it picks the guy who's, like, from first year and has, like, the shittiest little sketch, but he liked yeah. the idea, you know? And And I think that's a great example of, like, it's not all about what it looks like. And I think in school, that's what we can judge. And especially as young designers, that's what we can judge because we, we don't have a lot of experience of what is actually good design, what is bad, bad design, and we're developing that. Mm-hmm. But what we can see is what's visually good and what's yeah. visually bad what in the... Pretty. Yeah, like exactly what looks pretty and what doesn't. And like a design could be like poorly sketched, but it has something in there and that could win versus the guy with like 
the hyper realistic renders that are like sleek and sexy like mm -hmm. he spent so much time developing that maybe that's his focus right um and like are we like illustrators and render artists or are we designers i think those are two different things i think you can be the same you can be you can do both but i don't i think like there's a lot of pressure especially in young designers that we put on ourselves to be an illustrator and a render uh, artist rather than focusing on what is actually good design and, and developing our design sense from there. How do you identify good design? Um, I think, it, I mean, there's a number of different, like what is its use? Um, like what, what is the problem it's trying to solve and how good it is at solving that problem, I think is like the main thing for, for what I would say a good design is. Like, you know, um, a good design phone is something that I don't think about. Right, I just pick it up and use it, and it just falls in my hand. And works great. That's a good design. I don't ever think about it. Um, obviously, I do as a designer because when I don't think about something, I, I think about it. <laughs> um, but like, and then and then there's another component of like, is it, you know, is it sexy? Is it good design? Is it like, you know, um, a friend of mine, uh, she's in fashion design, and like, of course, fashion design is very focused on aesthetics and yeah. you know what does it look like it's a, representing you as a person and whatnot and it's so fascinating seeing like that area of design because it is so focused on the appearance of something um, and there's so much stress on them following styles and style guidelines and like is this like is this in trend is this out of trend and whatnot where none of that was ever really talked about too much in our program and in our industry like there are certain like style guidelines and like you know, the industry does kind of follow some sort of thing, but it's not like, like in fashion, like it's legit, like published. This is the style for the year. You know, it's very, like, very uh, curated in a way. Um, so I think like each design field has its own, what is good design, what is bad design. And each person has their own criteria. Um, and, but for me, I think a lot of it is like, is it, is it a good design would be something that is like, you know, beautiful, aesthetic, good quality, um, sustainable, uh, easy to use, intuitive, you don't have to think about it. Those would be all criteria that I would judge something on a good design. Basically, Dieter Rams is. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just reiterate the 10 principles of good design. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're, you're fully set. You're yeah. fully set. Um, when we, when we, because we shouted you out on the show when we were talking about um, you sending the message to Zach and we put out a PSA to get you back on the podcast. Yes. Curious if you want to do like a, whether it's like a bi-weekly or like every three weeks, but have you come on and do, do that kind of a check-in thing that we were speaking about where, cause we don't have guests on as much as we would like to. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's almost like I think about it as like creating characters where, Ultimately, Zach and I are pretty truthful and honest on here, but we're also, there is a sense of putting on, and you are, you are subtly performing yeah. each time you go online, each time you're, you, we post something up. Yeah. It's not, it's not as if we're being disingenuous, but it's almost like Zach and Dylan as podcast hosts are their own characters separate from Zach and Dylan in real life. Yeah. You know, and it's. It's just how it is. It's, it's the nature yeah. of the platform. You can still be completely honest and authentic in that, but it's most people aren't, most people that listen don't interact with us on a daily basis. Yeah. That's another thing. 
Like we have, I haven't, we haven't seen you in person in a year and a half. Yeah. Almost like a long fucking time. Crazy. It's too um, long. <laughs> yeah. I totally agree. Midtown hook up. Yes. Hollywood, me too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm curious if, if, and we can workshop it more off air too, but yeah. we can figure out like a way to like set up a schedule where we, we, you do that, you do that check-in, you check in yeah. with people and like eventually Chad Dewey becomes becomes this character that appears every now and then and he's like he's he's this entity and this force that brings in this totally different perspective because zach and i can drone on all day and about the same thing or different things but having having that new perspective in there and especially since we know you pretty well and we have that existing previous relationship from school that it's you're an accessible person as well That's another thing. Um, yeah. So I'm floating that boat out there. If no, you know. I think like I'm totally down for that. Definitely. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of um, things in the works um, that uh, I want to, I guess I, I want to contribute more to the design community as a whole um, through social media and whatnot. So, um, and I know last time I mentioned flirting around with starting my own podcast and I realized that it wasn't something that uh, I consistently could commit to but um yeah having a more regular appearance on here i think would definitely fall in line with a lot of yeah because every hundred episodes is a bit of a stretch yeah (laughs) (laughs) if we can't have it as every 104 episodes chad dewey appears on the process (laughs) podcast it's just it doesn't make sense yeah no we can do more often (laughs) yeah no i think that would be totally fantastic and like is and just workshopping that live is there anything in your brain that because you mentioned you you did mention to us in the DMs when we were setting this up was like you you mentioned you had stuff you wanted to bring to the table and that's a perfect example of thinking on your feet and mm-hmm. it's like I think we spoke about this last week or there were maybe earlier this week of when we're doing this show it's like we don't know the next word that's going to come out of our mouth we're just speaking these things we don't yeah. know where the conversation is going to go it's a total tangent yeah. You know, Zach and I can Zach and I can rant if we want to for probably five hours nonstop. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But laptops can't exactly handle a, a 10 gigabyte audio file and yeah. upload it and download it and put it out into the world. Yeah. Because that would just be outrageous. And no one in their right mind would listen to us for five for five hours straight. You never know. <laughs> Chad's like when I drive across America, I'm starting back at episode one and I'm gonna listen all the way up to the whatever the current hey i've got a 50 hour drive ahead of me so (laughs) that's at least episodes one to 50 (laughs) exactly um but i'm I'm curious a what those what those additional things are that you wanted to bring to the table if we haven't touched on them already but also like do you have any any ideas of stuff to bring as well um i mean i'm just looking at my notes um i think we covered a lot a lot of uh, what i was uh just in a roundabout way maybe not as punctual as what i was uh it was a little bit more organically than hitting all the notes but um yeah no i think like uh yeah yeah at the moment i think we hit everything that i wanted to hit off on i mean there's stuff i would like to talk about more about like blue card and kinite and, yeah. and how cool that stuff is but um that stuff is launching in the next month so um i'll have to come back on after we launch and hell yeah mm-hmm. You know, maybe have a business partner come on as well and we can talk about um, entrepreneurship and all that kind of what we've learned yeah. and whatnot. Ooh, I like that. Because I think there's a lot about like um, 
and I think we we had like entrepreneurial classes in in uh, college and whatnot, but it never really panned out to like when you actually incorporate and paying taxes. And I have an intern uh, now, and like all that entails, and like there's a whole level. Like I've learned so much having an intern and having someone look up to me, and I have to say that this is what's right and this is what's wrong, and this is what you need to do, and that's what you need to do. <laughs> it's very interesting, and it's you know um, it made me I. Uh, the, and then there's a whole element of like the imposter syndrome of like, oh, I've just recently graduated. She's in third year going to fourth year at Humber. You know, I'm only a few years ahead of her. How am I supposed to know what's right and what's wrong? Who um, is your intern? Can, are you legally allowed to say? Yeah, Mercedes. I don't know her. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know Mercedes. Mercedes is really yeah. good. Yeah, she's great. Um, and yeah, and like having her whole perspective of like the company and whatnot, it's really interesting. Um, and mm. there's so much to, there's so much I've learned over this past year of, you know, since incorporating or a year and a bit, um, and, and entrepreneurship. So that's definitely, that's a long topic. So it would definitely be an, an episode idea. Where does that start though? Like starting, starting a company is a term that's thrown around a lot. Starting, starting a company, I'm starting a brand. Yeah. You know, we, you hear it very early on, like one of the Zach and I are just, we, we know a handful of people that say like, Oh, I'm starting this brand. Like this is, this is my brand. And it ends up just the brand is a collection of Instagram posts. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's no substance to it. It's, this is my thing. And it's called, it's called this and it's called that. And it's like, you have seven, the only thing that the only credibility this thing has is seven Instagram posts and that's it. Yeah. I don't consider that a brand. I don't consider no. that a company until you, until you can actually, until you're creating something and someone is getting benefit or value from it. Yeah. I think that's where the tables turn. That's where something changes. Yeah. Um, where, you, where, you, where you put your money where your mouth is and you actually start. Because um, like even uh, we don't have any social media presence and we really don't have any social media presence either. Like our, our websites are landing pages at the moment um, because we were not about feeling like a company. I think that's where a lot of young designers and young startups put a lot of pressure in they want to feel official and they want to and they run off and do all these posts and create these fancy websites and they're like yay we're this and that like let's do a startup and let's do a kickstarter and whatnot where we're like a month or and a half away from our beta launch and everything's coded and the app is worth probably five to six hundred thousand dollars um now we haven't put very much money into it because we both developed it ourselves so it's just mainly our time and whatnot mm -hmm. um but yeah, like we have in the, uh, when I say like we started the company, like in the sense that we, you know, went incorporated, you know, got business cards, got um, our business license number, got, you know, bank accounts and signed papers and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, um, so that's when it kind of started. Um, and that was like probably two months after we started talking about the idea and like, are we going to legit do this? Um, and then, and then I would create like a whole business plan. Where do we want to see the company go from? How are we? splitting up shares you know who gets founding shares who gets this and that how are we gonna hire employees and then and there's so much to think about and, and even now like we're getting ready to start putting all of our stuff online and like what's our brand identity what's like i'm creating the brand guideline bible and that's like a large document of like mm. how many spacings between each paragraph how many like what kind of fonts you're using color palettes and pantones and like there's so much things to think about What's the tone of the voice? How do we talk? How do we 
you know, what kind of language are we using? And there's so much to it. Um, it's like a master list of, we have a master list of things that we have to do and tasks and whatnot. Um, and I think that there's a lot of that part. I don't, I think we all know that's going to happen, but you don't realize how much is involved until you actually start doing it. And you're like, wow, yeah. there's a lot to think about. <laughs> um, and then there's the whole legal side, you know, um, and all that kind of stuff, which is a fascinating um, thing to learn about, but also something that like, I've never, I don't have any experience in that. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a very, and like as an entrepreneur, you have to wear a lot of hats. And I think that's like, uh, I'm very blessed to have a, a business partner who has opposite skills of me. So we're able to really fill in each other's gaps and whatnot, because uh, I'm good at the opposite things that he's good at. So <laughs> that kind of really works uh, in our favor. But, um, but yeah, there's like, uh, everyone wants to start their own company, but when you actually start starting it, there's a lot that you have to do and a lot of hats you have to wear that um, you never thought you'd have to wear. Um, and it's both exciting and kind of scary sometimes. No one's there to hold your hand along the way either. You can't go to yeah. some guide or some master textbook and say, okay, this is how you start a company. Oh, I need to do this. Oh, that's how I create this. You got to figure it out as you go. Yeah. And that's a yeah. tough thing. Like how, here's a question. How do you justify the right decision from a wrong decision? Like you're, you're the decision maker now. Mm -hmm. You have an intern. Yeah. You become the person of, of authority that says, yes, this is the direction we go versus this is the direction we don't go. Yeah. How do you, how do you balance that responsibility with not freaking out? Um, I think like, I mean, I tend to be a very calm person. So freaking out tends to not be something that I do a lot. All that but meditating. Yeah, all that meditating. Exactly. <laughs> Always meditating. Currently in a meditating position at the moment. <laughs> um, but, you know, um, I feel I've come to realize that, that as a designer, when we're creating visuals and stuff like that, there isn't a clear cut guideline of what's good and what's bad. Um, and really what I offer as a designer is my own personal decisions and what I think in the, my own personal taste and there's a hit or misses. Um, like, uh, we just finished the visuals of the app. Um, we built the backend and we just finished the, the front end visuals and whatnot. And we're just connecting the two now. And that was about, I think it was like 14, 15 months of development. And I've gone through around 13, 14 different iterations. Like you should see where it started. It's hilarious versus where it <laughs> finished. It's, polar opposites but what guided me through that was just i felt like there was something off and i had all the time in the world because our overhead was very low it didn't cost us a lot every month there's no deadline and when we have to launch we really kind of make the deadline um and uh, besides fit, finding out like what kind of what opportune time to fit, enter the market is and whatnot but besides that like there's not a whole lot of deadlines for us um other than what we created for ourselves uh, so at the beginning, it was a lot free, just, you know, moving around and finding things out. And, and now, like with Mercedes, when she would bring, you know, I ask her to do something and she, she brings me the project over, I'll analyze, you know, now I have like a brand guideline, like, does it fit this brand guideline? Does she, you know, how, you know, it's an app. So I'm sitting on my phone using it, playing around with it. Is it, is it working? It's like, when I reach over my thumb, is it okay to, you know, touch it? And I have like, I have about four different phones. So I try them all on. And every time I click a different, you know, on a different size of phone, different OS system or, you know, Android or whatnot, is it all 
in sync? Is it all easy to use? Um, how, you know, is there too many things for me to look at? Is it too overwhelming? I, you know, then we have a few handful of people we just hand it to and just ask them to use it. If they know how to use it, great. If they don't, I'll write down, take notes on their facial expressions, how fast it takes them to go to each one. And using all that, I kind of figure out, you know, is this app really working or not? Um, and then the visuals of the brand, like we have like a brand kind of identity and this is what we want to stand for as a brand. Are we actually standing for that? And just critically looking at it and like not getting precious with my design. Um, I can throw out a design and restart over. I don't care just because if it's not hitting the actual point, if it's not actually like solving the problem and doing it effectively, then like throw it out. It doesn't mean I'm a bad designer. It just means that it hit the mark that time, just, you know, going over it again. But there's times where like I'll be meeting Mercedes like, okay, so what to do next? And I'll be like, oh, let me get back to you on that. <laughs> and then I jump on my sketchbook and I'm like, boom, I'm like, I'll resign you to something else. And then I'm sitting there and you know, working and sketching and trying to figure out what is wrong with this. I know there's something wrong with it, but I don't know. Um, and also she's great too, because she understands, you know, where I'm coming from. And her and I worked in the laser lab together. So we know each other quite well and, and whatnot. Um, and uh yeah, so like there'll be times where I'm like, I don't have an answer. There's something wrong here, but let's collaborate. You go your direction, I go my direction. You know, let's see where it comes from, and then we'll, you know, I'll throw it over to Chris, um, and Chris will look at it. My my business partner, Chris, um, and he'll like um, give us his point of view, and you know, I'll throw it around to someone else who has like you know, completely different perspective, and um, and everyone has you know, give me little pointers, and then I'll like continue to like you know, play around with it and figure out you know, something's missing. And I might not figure it out until like six months down the road, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now like I've got to the point where like the user interface is really tight. It's like, I don't see any ready problem sticking out when I use it. It's very seamless. It's very, you know, put together. I really like it. Um, everyone I've showed to really likes it. Um, and it's it's one of the things I, I don't see there's any problem with it. Um, and then that's when I'm like, great. I think I got the design down. Do you ever experience cool. like an analysis paralysis moment? Such as analysis. Okay, paralysis. so let's say I like that word. This, yeah, that. The analysis paralysis. So let's say you've got this. Uh, is it an? Is, it's an app like a like what type of an app? Like a service based app where? Uh, yeah. So we're um, we're so blue card is um, we're in the loyalty space. Um, so it's re. It's kind of. Um, uh, the app basically it's a loyalty, it's in the loyalty space and we're rebuilding the way people interact with um with local businesses so we're building a community okay. through um member pricing program okay so say there's you've got this specific interface that has to achieve the result of x whatever x is yeah. but there's five different ways to go about doing that all five of which are totally valid they all work the same but each one has its own benefit you know none of these benefits are the same so if on 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 a planar level they all have they all have an average that is say 0.8 if you're going to give it a score right? mm-hmm. each one has like a value an inherent value of 0.8 but the strengths and weaknesses of each one are different they're all achieving the same goal they're all allowing you, for lack of just simplicity, they're allowing you con- to easily connect with a local business to buy something or order something or send something through or receive something. 
you're all you're able to achieve that with the same level of effectiveness each time but the ways to get you from point a to point b are different mm-hmm. how do you then justify which is the right one like that's that for for me in that situation i would i would call that an analysis paralysis where i've got mm-hmm. five directions to go all of them are totally valid they're all basically the same in inherent value but each one has its different pros and cons yeah um i think i think every um i think that's where it comes you need to have a really defined problem where you're going because if it's really strongly defined there's going to be one that's going to be leading towards the other right so for example um blue card um we focus on the blue experience which is every company that has a blue card logo and is blue card affiliated um, will provide you a certain level of customer service and certain experience. So you you kind of have this this general community where you know like, hey, this is a local business. I have no idea if this mom and pop shop is actually legit, but they're blue card affiliated, so we know they are, and you can go use it. Um, so in that case, what is the app doing? It's really connecting you to those locations. Um, it's one of the big things with um, a lot of uh, member pricing programs out there is you have to download the app. You know, you got to pop up the app and it never works or it's always signing you out. You forget your password, you know, whatnot. It's, it's never working. It's always glitching. So that was one of the things that we knew that's a big problem in this area. So when we created the app, it's always there for you. You pop it, you know, when you, we use geofencing. So when you walk into the location, it pops up and a little notification. So you just right. click the notification when you get to cash, it's there for you. You know, so that was something that was you know, we created a master list of every single you know, member pricing program out there. And we used all the apps and figured out what is wrong with them. And we created this massive list of like, these are the problems we find. And these are problems why we don't use these guys. Um, and then through that, we created the whole program. So um, for us, we created the program, the blue experience, as well as the, the blue card app itself together to create this whole total like seamless design from start to finish from the experience all the way down to the app itself so for me i don't think i ever hit that kind of paralysis moment because there was always an experience that i knew if i didn't feel it it wasn't there um and yeah there was roadblocks where it's like i knew there's a problem but i didn't know where to go but i don't think there was ever a moment where it was like there's these like five different roads and they all feel like right and i don't know which one to go just because the amount of research I did. And if I did feel like I hit that kind of route, then I would do more research. And usually through the research and, and beta testing, you could usually figure out what's the problem and move forward from that. And maybe that's it. Maybe that's the way, like you said, to get through that or to prevent that is having the background, having that context behind mm-hmm. you. And I think maybe that's why it happened so much in school was because we didn't, either we didn't have the time or no one put in the necessary amount of time to do that background, to do that research, to establish that context towards something that allows us to be confident with the decisions that we're making and to do them with conviction where it's like, no, I I know for a fact that this is the right direction because of X, Y, Z and the research that I've done. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think too, in school, like, um, there's deliverables, you know, concept developments week one and then or week two and then <laughs> yeah. week three is detailed development. It's like like the logo went through so many iterations when I was creating the brand identity. And for the longest time I was like, great, like I loved it. Woke up the next morning, hated it. And I was like, what? You know, like what is wrong with it? The color scheme wasn't correct. It was just something wasn't right. And 
you know, and then going on and I was like, keep going down and then I showed Mercedes. This is like last summer. And she was just like, Oh, she like kind of reminds me of uh, like a tampon. And I was like, oh, no. like a tampon. She's like, yeah, the color scheme. And she's like, so showing me all these tampons. And I was like, Oh my God, you're right. We do have the same color scheme as tampons. <laughs> and, I was like, and then we like played around and I was just created like, all sorts of different color schemes and then went through each color scheme. I was like, what's wrong with this color scheme? What's wrong with this? And then like, you know, I have like a bunch of color theory books and I was reading through them, trying to figure out what colors are we associating with what, how is these colors affecting people's mind when they look at it? How do we create that right illusion through the right colors and whatnot? Um, and then we ended up coming down to the, the current logo we have. Um, and all of that was just research and just showing it to different type of people. You know, I'm a cisgender gay man so i come up with certain different associations to things right so like a tampon related logo would be the last thing that hit my mind you know i don't really think about tampons a lot but um, but for her occasionally but frequently but not yeah frequently. you know you know um but where for a female it was like oh oh my god i recognize that color scheme i've seen that all the time you know, um, so I think like that oftentimes when I, I've come to realize when I'm stuck in design, showing it to different types of people, because I know there's something wrong, because in the back of my subconscious, I do recognize that there's something wrong here. Right. But I don't know what it is. And showing it to a bunch of different people with different worldviews is, and that's why I think you the strength in having a team is having all these different people with different worldviews. Um, and I think sometimes that's the problem we had in school is we're filled with a lot of people like us, right? Like we all. Yeah. You know, we all joke around. We all go to industrial design the same way. We want to go into architecture, so we went into industrial design, or we want to go into automotive, so we went into industrial design. Like, there's a lot of similar types of people with similar interests, and we all had similar. We're all different, obviously, but we had similar kind of worldviews. Um, and I think that's the uh, the importance of like going out and experiencing and talking to different types of people uh, because you start really seeing life from their point of view, and that makes you a better designer. I think that's a perfect example of the need for different perspectives mm -hmm. diversity like, like it's so you important. wouldn't have had that insight if mercedes hadn't hadn't brought that up yeah or vice versa it could have gone you coming at it with uh correct cis, cisgender gay male yeah correct that's correct someone someone who is not who does not identify as that could create a color scheme that is totally different and you could come in and say oh that that reminds me exactly of this specific thing yeah. that you have experienced based off of that background, but they yeah. would never have thought of that. Yeah. You know, it's, it, it, I think it's, it speaks volumes to how that and, and, and how important that is. It's not to say that, mm -hmm. that it's good or bad, but it's, it's necessary yeah. to get that perspective because without that, you're, you're just being, yeah, it's collaboration and without it, you're just being ignorant. Yeah. And yeah. life experience, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The more for experiences sure. you experience, the more, you know, experiences experience you can draw squared. from. Yeah. <laughs> squared. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why like diversity in like the workplace is so important from so many different levels, but from that point of like having different different perspectives and like, you know, people see different things, people talk about different things, people have different worldviews and different challenges, different and it's so it's so important to build that wide base, you know, as a company or as a even as a person, like having your friends, like don't hang out with just the same type of people. You know, like if you're just hanging out with 
with industrial designers, you're going to have a very specific viewpoint, you know, like it's really yeah. important to broaden your horizons and hang out with a bunch of different types of people and get to know people and have come from backgrounds that are very foreign to you because that really, you know, and I think that's where like travel comes into it as well. Like it's important for people to get out of their house and go and experience things because that really makes you a better human and better contributor to society and as well by default, better designer because we're designing for society in a way. You have, you, you just have a grander sense of life stimulus mm -hmm. packed into this package of Chad Dewey or Zach Watson or Dylan Torville. You know, the yeah. more, the more, and like, we've got, we've got the whole go outside thing, but that's, that's exactly what it is. You need to go outside, you know, yeah. going outside doesn't necessarily mean going into a forest. It literally means just leaving your bedroom, leaving your yeah. house, going to a patio, getting a beer, getting a wine, walking yeah. down the road and or saying hi to someone on the street that you don't know, just giving them a yeah. little wave, you know, just a hello. exactly, exactly. You don't have to, you don't have to leave your country. Like no. that'd be great, but like, um, yeah, even just watching how people walk up to a door and interact with it, what do they grab first? Because you know, doors are always open different ways, and you never know how to use it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you can learn a down. lot from, yeah, you can learn a lot from how someone is approaching a door. Or how someone's going to approach to pick up something or like wayfinding, how are people are moving around the place. Like there's so much, like you can really see how people's brains work by just observing people and interacting with people. Mm -hmm. What's, what's one skill that maybe, maybe it's a skill that you currently practice or that you've harnessed or are in the pro in the process of harnessing that should be taught in school, but is not. Um, finding inspiration i think like a lot of times like uh finding inspiration in networking i would say would <laughs> be the two skills that i feel like school didn't really talk a lot about like professors would mention it offhandedly but it was not really like something that was like spoken about a lot um like you know like odin would always say go to this design event or go to that design event and it's like great but I've got a lot of homework, so I'm not going to go do that, <laughs> yeah. you know. But if if we were, like, talked about, hey, like, your power as a designer is who you know. And the power for your career is who you know. And going out to these different design events and seeing these different perspectives is going to really develop you and get in, inspire you. Um, I think if it came from that perspective um, and, and we were really pushed to go out of our comfort zones and do that, would have uh, would have been really really important really good because that's something that I, i'm doing more now um and uh and if i you know if i had a, just did school and didn't work during school i probably have done it more back then but like that's something I only, ha I only had time to do after school um and i think i missed out on a lot of opportunities in developing the way i view things and developing myself as a designer because i never uh, never had the opportunity or felt pushed to go do that until i started realizing that um yeah so i think those would be the two hmm. how about you guys hmm. oh i wasn't oh. expecting you to spin the question back you know uh, <laughs> <laughs> zach i'm gonna turn it over to you hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. um honestly i would maybe off the top of my head like what we were saying earlier something I don't know if it's strictly Chad's like... pouring water, by the way. He's not taking a leak. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm making myself a tea, okay? Or he, is, or he is taking a leak. That'd be kind of 
That's a power move. Like, that's, like, that's how, power that's how move. comfortable yeah. I feel with you guys. Hell yeah. <laughs> Just it's gets a, up and walks human, over to the bathroom. You know, this podcast has become the urinal chat, you know? <laughs> well, we could t- the urinal chat. I like well, that. Well, that's we like, that you know, segment. when we're all, it's like, you know, midnight and there's like six of us in the shop and one person says, hey, bathroom boy break, you know? And we all, yeah. all the boys go to the <laughs> yeah, bathroom yeah. and there's like six of us in there just messing around like we're six years old. Um, yeah. No, You're like, all doing that coffee. Gotta go to the bathroom like within <laughs> yeah, exactly. 20 like, minutes, you know? <laughs> exactly. I think like um, what we were mentioning earlier about teaching... I don't know, teaching the students that, that, that mindset of like competitive, but not with each other in a way like, and that, and the idea of like talking about shit, hmm. um, you know, I, they emphasize so much about collaboration because collaboration is very important as we were just talking about, you know, it's, there's so many benefits to it. Yeah. And but but it kind of felt like I, I mean I think I would say for most people third and fourth year was better because we all kind of knew each other yeah and we had our like groups and we were really close to a bunch of people so it was easier to open up and collaborate and you know bounce ideas off and get feedback from one another but there's something about in the first two years I felt or the first year and a half about that like you're so intimidating because it almost sent felt mm-hmm. like a competition yeah you know when it was. It's not like they said any of the process said it was a competition, but it was just kind of the way that the program or just school in general is 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 put together. Yeah. There's so much an emphasis on like these are your these are the same people you're gonna be uh, competing with, get a job when you're done. Yeah. You better be good, you know, and you know, you better get these grades and so you can be better than this person, have a better chance at a job and all this shit. And that ultimately builds like we were talking about, people that end up working alone thinking man this sucks and i must be the only one going through this Mm -hmm. and like that is not healthy it's not good and -hmm. it goes against the whole collaboration idea right which is so important with the design so i think i I don't know if that would be like you said i don't know about class but some maybe some lectures here and there or 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 some sort of talk with some of the professors and you I think know, they tried to do that sometimes, like the end, end of like a project. They'd be like, let's reflect on this and talk about it. But no one yeah. wanted to talk about, say, oh, I felt unconfident during this project. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's in the middle of the class. Like, you're like, yeah. anyone want to talk about their feelings? It's like, uh, right no. now, like we're all like just. I mean, if they did it with more of like, a, here's an online form and you unanimously put in what you feel about this project. Yeah. And then like the professor would bring it to the table, like, someone some unknown person said i felt unconfident about this and then we had like a whole class discussion about this it would probably be a bit more of like uh you know get everyone to sit on the floor (laughs) get everyone down on like this level Uh, of like we're all here together you know someone felt this emotion exactly but on or even if it was like i mean maybe this is too much of a radical idea but like and i mean like not as in like that's rad but in like just a which means it's a good idea it's a good idea but no (laughs) i even LA if it was lingo. something like, you know, if, if Catherine was at the front of the class in thesis or some sketch or viscom or something was like, you know, how do you guys like that project? Or how do you guys like that that midterm exam? You know, like, are you guys struggling? Is everyone okay? Like, if you just have that question, there's very few people that will go out of their way in front of a class like that. Again, especially within a more competitive atmosphere. Yeah. 
um, an intimidating kind of atmosphere sometimes and be like, yeah, I'll talk about my feelings. You yeah. know, it's a very in- intimate, you know, you know, thing to all of a sudden talk about, express in front of everyone. Yeah. But even if it was something like Catherine was or, 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 or Bruce or, or Dennis or Ken or something like that was like, you know, kind of just talking about when, if, when, cause I'm sure they, they did at some point when they struggled with something. Yeah. And was like, you know, kind of opened the conversation, open a conversation up with something like that about yeah. like, you know, Hey, we're all struggling. We've struggled in this too. And yeah. This is how we found to get through it. Or this is, you know, and it creates, I think ultimately that would help create, you know, an atmosphere where a people would want to talk to each other mm-hmm. and share and be like, build that, build an even stronger collaborative, you know, environment. You know, we're like, because again, I think when you have someone like that, who's kind of got the authority when they say they're struggling or they have struggled, that kind of like hits you in a different way. Cause you're like, I'm supposed to be looking up to you and like, you're supposed to have the answers. Yeah. And give you actually specific stories rather than general, like I know how you feel, but if you actually mm -hmm. give us an actual, like something that we could talk about, but Oh my God, I literally felt that yesterday. Yeah, and then it and, would be like this real immediate connection. Yeah, and I think that would be powerful for the whole class to be like, look, like, you know, there's people in here that will not get along. People in here mm-hmm. will who cannot work well together. That's fine. People in here that will not struggle so much. People that struggle a lot. People that will be really good at this. People will really be bad at this. You know, it's going to be competitive. Absolutely. Yeah. It's natural. And sometimes, but a lot of time, you know, competition does breed a lot of excellence a lot of innovation you know that's just yeah competition but something where you know they were like you know you guys also have to understand that collaboration is kind of like the like one of the most important things yeah and if you guys are open with each other more and like all you guys are going to be struggling to get a job afterwards you know it's that like everyone's going to go through the same thing everyone's going to be like build a team rather than you know try be like oh i want to be the best at this one thing it's like well how about like find someone who's better than you at that one thing and -hmm. you're probably better at something than they are open up with each other and talk about it yeah and work together and now you have a teammate you know kind of thing yeah and you are each other's like baseline network yeah like the three of us we're all going in different directions and we are part of each other's network and that may lead to opportunities down the road that we don't even think about right Mm-hmm. And I think like Absolutely. in school, that was something I always had in the back of my mind, but it was also something that I felt a lot of people didn't talk about that. The yeah. fact that we are all going to go somewhere in varying levels of success. And in a way we are each other's first contact in the industry. Yep. Yeah. That is like some cool of us could end up being it. other classmates, bosses or yeah. vice versa. We could end up working for someone we went to school yeah. with. Exactly. You don't know. Yeah. So I think, I don't know. I think that would be kind of cool. Like, again, I don't know if that's like too much of a softy thing. <laughs> I don't know. But like, <laughs> you know, cause sometimes I look back at Humper and I think like, there's definitely some props I won't say, but like, I could not see them doing something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, cough, cough, model making, but you know, <laughs> but I don't know. I just, but I think that that I develops like a really broad experience having all these different types of professors, right. With these different, um, different ways of thinking and, and and whatnot and i don't think it necessarily is like a soft 
way of, of approaching. It's just like a different way of approaching. Um, right. And you and like yeah, those professors who were really hard, as you know, we alluded to, they really developed a lot of stuff. Like they were, I feel like, a very key in like developing a lot of who we are as designers. You know, mm-hmm. they were good kicking the ass. They really pushed us forward. And I think like every program needs those professors that are really hard on you. You need some soft professors to provide you with that little relief and whatnot. Sure. Um, and uh, but they definitely need to have like a, a mental health class. Yeah. Like an elective so. on like managing stress yeah. or something like that, you know? Yeah. Well, it's, well, again, like, you know, again, like Dylan and I were talking about that, uh, you know, like what I mentioned earlier about, you know, you see these, these successful people and you know, specifically designers as well. And they're like, you know, I got where I am today because I did all this. And, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I, they make it seem like they're literally working every second of every day and they've never had a break. Yeah. They've never felt lazy. And Dylan and I were saying, like, is that kind of like a bit of an act, a little bit? Because it's that, like, it sounds good as a storytelling thing when you're telling someone about how to be successful. You want to make it seem very kind of exaggerated because it's it's motivating. It's a good story, right? And we were saying, like, it's that kind of like, you know, we would we would do all nighters in the shop, but there's a few hours of the night where we're kind of fucking around because you need it yeah right yeah but the but the but there's value in that right like yeah. you're still working but it, it's those it's those things right and i think that is that like you said an elective or something about managing stress there's something yeah. so like it sounds cool to do all-nighters to be yeah. like i was working all night you know i it sounds cool but it, in reality it sucks a lot of the time mm-hmm. yeah you know, it sounds cool to to be busy all the time and working on shit all the time yeah but in reality it's stressful and it's rough a lot of the time yeah and i think it seems simple but i don't think that's talked about enough for sure you know like like, and how um, to deal with it yeah for sure and dylan mentioned a few um episodes back about like um talking about working um at your new job and whatnot and how like Mm -hmm. you know laying in bed just thinking about designs is technically working and like just sitting there letting your brain work is designing and you're getting paid for that but is that like a billable hour is that non-billable hour like there's like so many different like aspects to it that are so weird and i think it's a perspective that we all have to um and i think like you're right like when people talk about their career they remember the hard times and the hard work they don't remember the times they were playing video games in between to give themselves a break so when they're looking back at the perspective of their entire career, they're like, oh, wow, I did a lot of work. But they don't remember all the time that they were like sleeping on their sketchbook and like and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's why like I had, I recommended you the Creative Inc. by Ed Catmull. Yeah. Such a good book because he really talked about like, you know, he was one of the founders of Pixar and he really talked about this whole like, you know, he went through this whole few chapters of an imposter syndrome. Like, oh, now I'm the head of Pixar. Am I really good enough? And like all these different things. But he had a really interesting perspective because he really talked about it wasn't like a lot of other people's biographies where they talk about, oh, I did this and this and that and this and that. And they yeah. Went through this entire career. the best at everything. Yeah. Yeah. He really had this whole thing of like, I was going through this and then I felt really bad about this. And then I went through this and then I went through that. And it was like, mm. this, you could see this journey and like, you could see it was stopped and started and fell and went up and down. And it was a really good perspective. That's important. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I think, I think it's important. I think there's to talk a sense of, yeah. And I think there's like what you said, Zach, where, and you as well, Chad, where people who 
it's a lot easier to relate to people who have struggled and are struggling and have gone through hardships before than it is to relate to someone who is picture perfect on the surface. You know, yeah. it's because you, and I don't, I, I don't know, I'm projecting here, but like there's been points in the last four or five years of design related work where I've hated it and I haven't enjoyed it. And hearing that Zach has had the same experiences. I'm like, fuck, okay, good. I'm not alone. Hearing that you've had the same experience as well, Chad. It's like, good, fuck, I'm not alone. Hearing that that Nick and Sean and Belinda and Maho have all had these same types of moments, these same like, oh shit, maybe this isn't my thing. I'm really struggling right now. It's like, good, fuck, I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. And it's, and hearing someone who you look up to, you know, like say, mm-hmm say for me it's Anders Warming for Zach it's Errolson Hugh for you it's Bob Gurr Chad it's like hearing them speak about a struggle or a moment in time where they were like I wasn't I wasn't creatively fulfilled I wasn't I didn't feel creative I didn't feel motivated I hated design I didn't do design for six months because I just had such I developed a bad relationship with it over this need to feel like you're constantly working and churning out stuff because that's what your perceived role as a designer is. Hearing that and being able to relate to that, I'm like, okay, fuck, I'm not alone. I feel a lot better now. Mm-hmm. I can sleep at night, you know? And it's, whereas you get a designer who says, yeah, I went to Art Center and then I went to the RCA and then I did this and I did that and I went here and I worked here and I worked here. And then I'm design director here. And now I'm design director here. And uh, this is my summer home. This is my yacht. This blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's, it's so unrelatable. Yeah. yeah. Even, if, even if they have struggled and for a large portion of their life, they went through a lot of shit and they had to go through fucking trenches and they had to do years of, of, of trudging miles to get to where they are. If they're not projecting that and if they're not sharing that, it's 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 next to impossible to relate to because who can relate to being perfect all the time nobody exactly everyone can relate to feeling like shit and going through shit because everybody does yeah it's just whether or not you're sharing it and i think that's what we've tried to do with this is prove that design is design can be very sexy but for a large chunk of it it's not Mm -hmm. it's tough and it's process and it's name drop and it's challenging and it's uncomfortable and you want to yeah. beat your head against a brick wall and it's stressful. Yeah. There's, that's another thing too, is it's quite stressful because you're, again, it's like turning, Bruce talked about this in episode 100, turning, turning your creativity on to be paid for it day in and day out is a very challenging thing to do. Mm-hmm. And to continue to do that week after week after month after year after year. If you're not expressing that and if you're not like decompressing, if you're not letting the pressure out of the bottle, eventually it pops. Yeah. You know, some people pop super early, some people pop super late, some people die before they pop. Mm-hmm. But those are often the people that are unrelatable because you don't know the shit that they went through. Yeah. Another mini, mini rant. Yeah. Or people pop and don't talk about it. Right. Like a lot of those people 
you know, those designers we all look up to, they might feel so insecure about it that they don't even want to talk about it because mm-hmm. they look at how many people look up to them and they're like, I can't say that. Yeah. And we, that's why we never hear about it, right? So there's, I think there's a lot of encouragement in being able to talk about it and um, especially like on this platform like you guys are doing and whatnot. I think it's really, it takes a lot to be able to talk about it and it's really important that people, more people do talk about it mm-hmm. um, because it brings, it brings a human element and it brings that relatability and, and makes you realize that you're not alone in such a, you know. And design is so focused on design is centered around human beings. There's a reason why that human centered design exists is because like, who's going to be using this thing? Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not aliens and it's very rarely an animal. 99% of the time it's a human being. Mm-hmm. So why not make design human? Your end product can be human, but the process should be human as well. Yeah. How you get from point A to point B to point C should be a human process as well. You know, you can't be and maybe it's a bit naive to think that there should be no negative pressure in a in a working context because pressure often breeds confident innovation and these spectacular things like Zach and I were talking about. I think it was this week, but the fact that so many great innovations come from times of strife, like say World mm-hmm. War II, for example, so much shit came out of that and it was a terrible time in history. But so much good stuff came out of it from a product development standpoint, from a technology standpoint that may not have come to be if World War II had not taken place. We don't know, obviously, because we don't have a time machine and we can't change the past. But I totally forget where I was going with that monologue now. Um, I think you were heading towards, if I may. Um, Go for it. Like there, I think there is a lot of like um, strife and pain is needed to grow. Right. Growth is painful <laughs> in yes. any sense. And I think like, yeah, like as much as we're talking about how there needs to be communication about it, about all like being healthy and, and you know, mental health and whatnot. I think having pain and going through difficulties as a designer um, is not bad. That is good. And that just shows that you're growing and, and, and you should take that as encouragement. Like, yeah, I'm feeling you know, shitty as a designer, but that's because you're growing through something, right? Like you said, like in world war, you know, one and two, like technology developed so much faster and we learned so much about different things because of that. And then, you know, even look at COVID, like COVID sent, you know, working from home and all the technology evolved with that, you know, 10, 15 years into the future, if you think of it, because so many companies were so hesitant about, you know, using this new technology and whatnot. And, and we'll only see the repercussions of like this global pandemic in the future, but that's going to be like, a, that's a really, de- this is a really defining moment in, in our lifetimes. Um, but it all came out through strife and, and uh, pain and people losing their jobs and people dying from pandemic and having to like rally together to develop vaccines and whatnot. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Like the RNA vaccines were um, built off of the HIV vaccines, which were started to develop during the HIV pandemic in uh, the 80s and mm-hmm. 70s and 80s um and uh yeah like you know we and it took you know now the hiv vaccine is in human trials now which and s it pushed it forward so much faster because of the global pandemic because they had to the world had to stop what we were doing and focus in on developing a specific technology which is now helps technology in other industries and in and, and other vaccines and we're bringing forward so many other vaccines that we you know, we're 10 years away from developing or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think like 
pain and strife is really important and that's a really good that's a really good point to bring up that you know you need that to grow and oftentimes mm-hmm. you can't grow without it mm-hmm. you know because you have no sense of for me there's a sense of being being at one's lowest and saying okay i acknowledge i'm at my lowest right now and i want to do everything in my power to not reach this point again yeah and this it's not i don't think it's a sense of avoidance i don't think it's avoiding that i think it's doing doing what's in your control to avoid that and to yeah. keep yourself keep your head above water effectively because it's like your entire life you're you're just treading water hoping that there's not a shark beneath you yeah and that shark is is anything from a terminal illness to a divorce to a to a lawsuit to yeah. a horrific car accident to ending up at a job that you don't find fulfilling and but you can't move out of it because you kind of trap yourself with your own preconceptions or your own mm-hmm. judgments and for me that's the scariest thing it's like am i going to end up will i ever end up working at walmart for the next 45 years doing doing like the welcoming people you know i don't know i don't think so but it's possible and i think like if you have that drive you'll never end up there Mm -hmm. right you may end up there right like i mean last summer you know i worked at um loblaws for a bit because not not to shit on walmart at all but yeah because i needed to pay bills and i was like you know i felt a little like oh my god you know i was lucky enough to never work minimum wage in my life until last summer Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd always worked in design until last summer. And I was like, wow, like I just backtracked, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've worked so hard to put myself forward and now I'm back here. And it's like, well, no, I'm not really backtracked. You know, I just did what I had to do to pay the bills. And during that time, I just used my time to develop and build. And, you know, and within six weeks I got a design job and I left it. So like, you know, I think like season of life and like getting stuck in a place that you never want to be in doesn't necessarily mean you're going to stuck there forever. Um, as long as you don't, I think the importance of talking about all this stuff, it shows, it helps you get the, the encouragement and the energy to get yourself out of that situation. It's like when someone's like suffering from depression and whatnot, like, you know, you can go to therapy, you can get medication to help you like move on from that. if that's, if, if, um, if that's what you're struggling with, um, and it's a difference between like having a bout of depression and being in despair, right? Yeah. Because when you're in despair, you're having you're stuck. <laughs> yeah, you're like you can't get out of that. Can't get out of bed. You can't eat. You're you're just you know obliterated, and that's when you need like serious help from whatever or whoever to get you out of that situation. And, and society's think, response is just, well, don't be depressed. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Where that like, does jack shit, isn't it? Doesn't work. <laughs> or throw medication at you when you might not yeah. need it. <laughs> And it's like if if like in Zach's, I'm going to use Zach as a as a guinea pig here, but like Zach working the it. job that he doesn't like and doesn't enjoy and doesn't find fulfilling, society's easy response, and I I've I've probably said it to him subconsciously before is like, well, get a better job, get a better job, find mm-hmm. a better job, leave. It's like, well, it's not that simple. No, it's like saying to a person who suffers from depression or is in a deep sense of despair, well, just don't be depressed, just, just be happy, smile today. more. Yeah. Like that, yeah. it doesn't work it doesn't do anything you know it's it's not a it's you can't band-aid that type of a problem it's not a band-aid solution it's it's a deep tissue massage yeah for to use a classic dylan analogy yeah which just makes no sense 
it's no a deep tissue massage is painful but healthy it feels exactly. so good afterwards exactly. so it kind of worked it was good it fucking hurts it fucking hurts it's like getting it's like cuffing it hurts it's weird it's strange but the benefits depending on your belief on it whether you actually believe it works that's neither here nor there people find a benefit in it you know mm -hmm. and I think like Zach, Zach still having this job is hopefully can act as motivation to continue to push himself to get out of there, even if, and it's, it's easy to say, get a better job, yeah. find a better job, find a better place to work. But I think there's a sense there, there should be a sense of understanding a person's context as well as the context of the job that they're at. You know, it's like you maybe that's the only job in in said neighborhood or in said in said yeah. city that is available is taking the only job available better than not taking that job yeah right and it's like well i was gonna take it because it's it's going to make money yeah. and that is the that is the objective the objective is to not have a sexy job or a sexy job title in that instance it is simply to get money to pay the bills to eventually progress oneself forward yeah but when and an opportunity any... comes up there needs to be a sense of like okay i need to i need to jump on this i need to go for it yeah yeah i need to chase that yeah and if anything ultimately it's just one slightly small step towards something rather than yeah. nothing right mm -hmm. yeah and, and the baby, can... baby steps carry you a long way Exactly. And in each situation you can learn a lot. Like I'm sure Zach, you've learned so much in the current job you have. Yeah. Um, and stuff you probably don't even realize until later on. You look back retrospectively and you're like, wow, this taught me a lot, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's like a perspective, like, like a very optimistic perspective to take is every situation look at and be like, Am I learning something from this? What can I learn from this? What can I do to like maximize the you know i'm like oh yeah i'm stuck here yeah like you know we all have to our number one priority in life is how to feed ourselves how to put shelter over our heads and then the next one is what are we going to add to society and how are we going to fulfill our passions mm -hmm. so once you got that first one covered then you like gotta look okay i'm in this stuck in this position because i have to feed myself what can i learn from this situation and then use that motivation of not liking that job to get yourself to a job that you do enjoy and and to re and people realize that you, you're not copping out by taking this job you're just fulfilling a very common and like struggle everyone has how to feed yourself right. <laughs> you know um and then from that point forward it's like okay now how do i merge feeding myself with something that i enjoy mm -hmm. and love and and then that's like um a common you know i think like oftentimes like i know even for myself like i'm working a job that i don't necessarily enjoy and it's not necessarily in, in line with what i do with what i want to do but at the end of the day like it pays the bills i'm learning from it and you know it's not like i'm copping out by taking this job you know i'm mm -hmm. just i'm doing what i have to do and then i'll continue moving forward and getting to where i want to go is that the job at knight or is this a different job? no this is a different job mm -hmm. yeah that's my day job i love kai knight Kinite, that's right. Kinite is everything. <laughs> what, like what, what? Here's a question: What do you do on a, on a day to day basis, and how do you? Because I totally get that, completely relate. I loved working at Spartac, mm -hmm. but there were times where it was unmotivating, and especially if I had to drive out to the office, I would yeah. drive out to the office, do work that I wasn't necessarily super jazzed about, 
and then come home. And I think Zach, Zach, and you can probably relate to this as well, where you go to work you, to do something that you're not jazzed about, you're not thrilled, that you feel as if is it's not moving you forward. To come home and then try to do something to move you forward, to give yourself like the kick in the ass that mm -hmm. most of us need to do something to produce a form of work, whatever that is, personal project, passion project, whatever. To do that after doing something that you don't enjoy for so long can seem so exhausting and so daunting that yeah. it's almost easier to just not do it at all yeah. and just go to bed because it's totally. the easy solution. Yeah. Um, well, I always um, wake up every morning, I meditate, work out, and then I journal. And usually what I do is I will um, write out 10 things I'm thankful for associated gratitude, with like a gratitude list yeah like a gratitude list like i got a job great like if i'm really feeling bad about like hating and not want to go to work i'm like great i have a job it pays the bills i can put money aside for savings blah blah, blah. list of reasons why i like that job mm -hmm. or why are good things about that having that job versus having another job for example um and then i'll create a list of three things that i'd want to accomplish that are going to get me to my job before i go to bed that night so when I come home, I meditate and then I like kind of debrief. It's kind of like any stress I associated from work or any kind of discouragement I have from work, I kind of like let it go. So I usually write down what are those emotions that I'm having, walk through them, mentally meditate upon them, and then focus on, okay, now I've got four or five hours before bedtime. What can I do to get me out of that situation? And then I look at those three that's the three things I did. I'm like, okay, great. How am I going to, like, I'm going to spend an hour on this one. I'm going to spend an hour on that one and an hour on this one or whatnot. Plan out the evening. And then I will usually try to like listen to something that is like motivating, you know, usually for me, it's usually um, Walt Disney's uh, Epcot a video where he's like talking about Epcot. So like a 30 minute video. Oh my God. Literally, I hear him talking and I start smiling. Like, I can't help it. It just gets me so excited because I've been listening to that video since I was like seven years old. And it's something that just brings me back to that seven-year-old kid in the basement watching behind-the-scenes videos, excited to just do design. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, wow, I've got, I know how to do design. Like, he back then was seven years old, like, didn't even know how to read, just like wanting to design. And now look at where I'm at. And then that usually like gives me like the, the excitement and whatnot to like, just push myself forward. Mm -hmm. Wow. What's, have you, uh, what's like, have you, have you noticed a benefit from journaling versus not journaling? For sure. Like I feel, um, I'm like just positively putting down, like I will do this by this time, or I will do this by that. Like that positive affirmation is really, really good when you're going through a time of, you know, there's times I'm literally writing it out and I'm like in the back of my mind, like, oh, no, that's not true. And then I'm like, no, no, that is true, you know, mm -hmm. and then go for a walk, go for a jog, you know, punch a few walls, whatever you need to do to like just get out that anger and like whatever that is. And then like tell yourself, like, the only thing holding me back is me, mm -hmm. really, you know, but yes, there's societal things holding me back for sure. You know, there's you know, discrimination for, you know me being gay or discrimination for whatever reason for other people of different you know minorities or whatnot but like that's not going to hold me back forever that's not going to you know hold me back for whatever reason you know um what can i do to get out of that situation what can i do to push myself forward what can i do to get myself to the next level 
Um, and always like having that, what can I do mentality is what really like helps me get out of that situation and journaling it. I feel like is a great way for me to record that. Right. Mm -hmm. So like any day that I feel really confident and really good about myself, I put a little star in it. So when I need to go back and if I'm feeling really bad about myself, I just thumb back through the day where I felt good about myself and then, you know, boom, I read through that. I'm like, great. Look at, I felt so amazing that day. You can reflect on those moments. Exactly. Yeah. Is that, where does, where did the thought of that come from? Cause like, I've got a few friends that, that journal religiously and like yeah. to the point where we will not hang out if said person has not journaled and Zach, you know yeah. exactly who I'm talking about, Evelyn. Um, <laughs> we will not hang out if she has not done her journaling for like the day or the week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, like, dude, you, you, two hours ago, you asked me to hang out and come over and just sit in the backyard. And now you're like, no, I'm busy. And I'm like, okay, it's, it seems like sacred time. And I've, again, I know, I've know, I know a few people who have done it Yeah, and I've entertained the idea. This notebook that I'm writing our show notes in now is a fantastic notebook made by, uh, by Hillroy and it was 564 from Walmart and it's got these beautifully, uh, Oh Jesus, I almost killed the microphone. It's got these beautiful wide lines in the pages. Mm-hmm. It's like 300 pages thick. I it's think beautiful. I have the exact same one with me right now. That's hot as shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I bought that. I literally bought that the hill. Yeah. last summer. Had a catastrophic fallout again with said person who also lives in Midtown. So I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you names and license plates so that if you see them, so I can avoid. So you can egg it. Egg. Just, egg. Perfect. Right. Do a little key action. Um, but hey i'm a witch we could do a little bit more than just that (laughs) flash a couple tires i didn't say that um and i bought that with the intent to journal because my friend evelyn was like you should journal like it's great for you but i can never bring myself to do it you know i'd I'd rock the field notes all day but i can never bring myself to do it yeah and i don't know why i haven't unpacked why yet maybe it felt a bit too woo-woo for me not in a spiritual sense, but like a, I don't want to dive that deep into myself. I don't want to. Are you afraid of finding too much about yourself? Probably. To be honest, probably. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I probably just don't want to look that deep. I'm okay to look maybe like mid tier. And that's what Zach and (laughs) I have done for the last Mm -hmm. 213 episodes. But to go down to the Marianas trench of, of who Dylan Torville is, I probably don't want to go there. Yeah. I mean, that is a scary thing. And like, I know for myself too, I was really, I had a hard time starting to journal. I didn't know where to start. Um, but really let, let me down to that is um, I have, I, I'm anorexic um, and um, have body dysmorphia. So that was one of the things they said was you need to like record mm-hmm. everything you feel every day. If you feel bad about yourself, record that. If you feel great about yourself, record that. And then going through and just thumbing through those. And it was even at the beginning, it was just bullet points. I felt, you know, overweight today, or I felt great today, or whatever. Um, and then just reading through that was like really showed me like my view of myself was as fleeting as my mood swings <laughs> in high school, you know, because this was during high school. And like I was, you know, we all remember high school, our emotions were like, woo, all of the place, Hormones. roller coaster. Exactly. And it kind of made me realize like, wow, like, you know, my view of myself is not consistent. 
And, um, and then that's where I, I really started enjoying journaling because I can really go back and analyze, you know, that emotion. Like if it's something consistent, then that is something that I'm, you know, having an issue with. Um, and, uh, and just finding like a format that is easy for you to journal, I think is really important because, you know, I usually have like a body of text where it's like a kind of almost write like story, like, like, this is how I felt when I woke up. This is how I felt when I went to bed. This is how I felt after work. And then at work, I have like a, a small sketch, a small little journal where if ever, like, I don't know, my boss gets me annoyed and I feel angry at him. I just write that motion down right away. And the minute I finish writing it down, then I let go of that motion and I will handle it in the evening when I get back home. And then just taking that perspective, really, like I don't ever lose my temper, really. I don't think I've ever, I, don't, I haven't lost my temper since in high school. Just because for me, it's every time I feel like that emotion where it's welling up and you feel that emotion in there, you write it down and you just, you will process of that later. And then, you know, um, and that's where I really found the power of journaling was just helping me to like manage what I'm feeling and whether it's consistent or not consistent. Um, and, uh, and then having that like sort of like non-biased perspective where you can go read back later on and be like, well, why did I feel like that? You know, and then you can start analyzing yourself and, and whatnot, which, um, which for me, I find analyzing myself very helpful. Um, others don't, but, um, I know for myself, like analyzing myself and picking apart and I love reading. So I'll feel like an emotion or have like a few different dreams. And I will just go and read like white papers on like psychology and like self-diagnose myself and like okay well this is why i felt like this okay what's this and i try like kind of like you know do my own therapy and whatnot and for me i love that like that's really where i find a lot of um, a lot of uh, strength in my mental health is just by learning how my brain works and how i can like see what i'm feeling is not a direct reflection of a problem in me but just a reflection of, oh, maybe this is the way my brain works, or maybe this is the way I felt because of the way someone spoke to me, and how can I reorient the way I feel that way? Mm -hmm. I think Zach and I have gone through those motions over the last, you know, nine or ten months, however long it's been that we've been doing. I think it's been nine months that we've been doing this. But I think even within that, in the amount that we've talked and the amount of uh, like creative struggles that we've gone through or even the the proverbial hill that we've been climbing from not being motivated to and even motivation itself that's like that's a very general non-prescriptive term that mm -hmm. motivation to me means something different than it means to zach and yep. it means something different to you as well you know we all have our own it's like success we all have our own different definitions of success we all have our own definitions of motivation. And I know, Zach, like for, for for me as someone who thrives on productivity, and I think, Chad, you do as well, mm -hmm. it's, it's easy for me to think that my version of productivity is, or my version of productivity and motivation is the same as your version yeah. of productivity and motivation. Wherein, in fact, they're very different. Yeah. You know? probably still achieving the same end goal but the the way that we're going about that and the way that we're achieving that end result is very different and i think yeah we we totally still have a lot to unpack in this thing we probably never will be able to unpack everything that goes on in our brains on this podcast even if we even if we even if we do a million episodes and each mm -hmm. one of them is 3 hours long yeah 
never be able to unpack everything. Well, I think everyone works differently and every brain works, you know, like the other day, a friend and I were, you know, talking about life and, you know, and for me, I create it every time I feel overwhelmed, I create a master task list, pull a Google calendar, start putting in dates oh, and things. Yeah. And, you know, color coding it like that, that stuff gets you're me going. speaking Dylan's language. Google exactly. calendar. Google calendar is everything. Oh, um, fuck. Love right? So that um, gives me, the thought of that gives me anxiety. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing. And that, my so friend was saying the exact same thing. Like she was having an issue and I created a whole master task list of things she needed to do to be at it. And that sent her for like a spiral. And I was like, why? Now you know What's what you need to, you? and like I listed it out to like most important to least important. I'm like, or what I thought was most important to least important. I'm like, now you've got like, pick the first top three and start weeding down through it. And like just seeing how uh, such a different perspective for her than than me and it was like you know what i feel comforting made her feel overwhelmed and it's such like a, an eye-opening to seeing like how everyone handles something very different mm-hmm. and it's 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 a bizarre thing and it's but i'm very grateful for it the fact that we mm-hmm. have granted ourselves this opportunity to to become that introspective mm-hmm. and become that aware of these emotions that we have around design which is something that we are so passionate about yeah i think it's easy to think that i'm passionate about it therefore i will always be motivated you know that's and that's Mm -hmm. how it seems in society where people like elon take elon musk as an example where he's got so many things going on he's got tesla spacex etc 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 you you we perceive that he is super passionate about creating electric cars and creating rockets and putting people on Mars. And I'm sure he is. He's, he's definitely very passionate about it. The passion is not the question. It's I almost guaranteed that there's days that he wakes up. I don't know him personally, but I almost guaranteed that there's days that he wakes up and he's like, fuck, I got, I've fuck. I've, I have to do this. Mm-hmm. I have to, I have to, I have to design the next mediocre um, uh, electric vehicle. Yeah. I'm just not a fan of Tesla design. Not good or bad. Just not a fan of it. He's like, fuck, I have to be mediocre. Fuck. He's probably not super stoked about everything all the time. And I think that's, that's, that's one thing I've learned from you, Zach, is that that's possible. It's possible yeah. to not be motivated about something you're passionate about all the time, whereas I felt that I needed to be. You know, right? I don't know if that resonates with you at all, Chad. As well. Oh, definitely. Like all throughout school, I'm like, fuck, I need to be at the school. I need to be doing this. I need to be doing that. I need to be constantly motivated, constantly yeah. working because this is my thing. I'm passionate about it. Therefore, I need to always be doing it and I need to always be motivated. Yeah. And never admitting that sometimes you hate it. <laughs> exactly. Because to admit it, that I hate it means I'm not passionate about it. Yeah. But that's not true. No. And I think that's, again, that's one thing that I've learned quite a lot from you about Zach is that that's okay. And that's allowed, Yeah, you know, it's, you're, you're, you're allowed to feel that way within the whole context of design and this and that is there can be moments of no motivation and no Mm -hmm. happiness and no joy around something. And that's okay. Like maybe to loop it back to the very early part of this James Cameron long-esque movie that we're doing is like 
maybe I need to take a break. Yeah. Maybe I need to take a break from design for a little bit. Yeah. You know, we always think of taking a break in, in a relationship context and like, when the fuck does that ever work? Yeah. Very rarely. <laughs> very, very rarely. Hasn't worked for me. Well, I think you it's, know? why are you taking the break? I think that's when you need to like figure out, like, is the break like in the relationship sense, just pushing off a complete breakup mm-hmm. or is the break something necessary for someone's mental health? Right. Mm-hmm. And in the sense for like design, like, do you need to take a break from like, you know, let's say for exactly, like, do you need to take a break for, from car design and do, I don't know, fashion design, mm-hmm. you know, or like in your case, you're doing graphic design a lot, you know, like you're loving like those posters and whatnot. Like that's a great creative outlet that you're still sharpening your creative muscles, but you're doing it in a different place that you're finding, you know, is very recharging. Right. And, um, and I think like you don't have to commit to industrial design for the rest of your life, but you can still identify as industrial designer because that's what you are, right? That's your mindset. That's mm. where you're coming from. You can be doing, you know, graphic design, but you can come at it from industrial designer's point of view. Um, and not to get your, your whole identity wrapped up in, in your title as an industrial designer. At the end of the day, we're all designers, right? And like you might not be doing, what you went to school for or you might be doing what you went to school for but at the same time you're still a designer or you might not even doing be doing design but at the end of the day you're still a designer because that's you still got the mindset. who you are yeah exactly you still got the experience yeah and i think no one no one can take away that mindset either no one can take away your thought process towards solving a problem and your method of achieving a solution to this mm-hmm. thing no one can take that away from you Unless obviously you're in a catastrophic car accident and then you're brain dead, but that's you got like bigger problems to worry it's about like that, at that it's point. It's like it's like that go-to saying where it's like, you know you can't take the blank out of the blank. It's like you can't you can take the person out of the out of design, but you can't take the designer out of a person. Exactly. I think that's totally that's true. Yeah. Like you're a guarantee. Even if even if Chad, if you end up becoming the best fucking bartender that Los Angeles has ever seen and that becomes <laughs> your your claim to fame and if Zach becomes the most efficient person at putting little wine cork thing assemblies together and he starts his own wine cork assembly factory that sure. like once the aliens land they're like that's the first point of contact the aliens are drinking this wine that Zach's thing creates and if i end up just doing weird if i end up like designing designing playgrounds or not not even designing playgrounds not design related if i end up gardening if i end up just being a fucking gardener look i got i got mossy gardener yeah monty 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 the monstera right over there beautiful if i end up just becoming like a professional fucking gardener for the rest of my life and i live in the fucking forest in a wooden shack with no electricity and i sleep on a moss bed there's still a designer in my brain. There's still a yeah. designer in your brain, Chad. There's still a designer in your brain, Zach. Even though you're fucking giving wine to aliens, it's still there. It's still inside. It's, it's picture going on in my head right yeah. now. It's quite bizarre. It's quite bizarre. I don't know where I'm on a fucking roll. Yeah. But the designer's still there. And the design, the designer, air quotes, mindset is almost almost like subconsciously instilled into everything that we that we're doing 
you know, if I'm a gardener, I'm going to design the fuck out of that little moss bed. Mm-hmm. And that moss bed is going to be hot as fuck. Yeah. Same well, it's thing a mindset. With, it's the way your brain is constructed. It's, it's how you yeah. solve the problem. Yeah. It's like, like the first, right. first lesson in sketching with Catherine. She's like, imagine something. Can you imagine what's behind it? Can you move it around in your brain? Like, mm-hmm. not everyone can do that. No. That is a way our brain has been built and how we think. We think in a certain way, and that's what led us to design, and that's what led us, you know. It's like um, uh, talent isn't born. It's forged within your innate passions. You're not oh, born fuck. talented. You develop that talent through what you're passionate about, right? And, like, you're, you're born with a certain mindset which leads you down a certain way. Like, all of us can probably uh, attest to it that we all were doing creative things since we were, like, born. Since we were like little kids playing around, you know, playing with Lego, Connects, you know, Mechano, whatever you were doing, we were always drawn to that because that's kind of where our brains were constructed and where we were heading. So even if you're not doing something necessarily classically design, you're still a designer because that's kind of the way your brain works. And you will you'll eventually end up getting a job or doing something that feeds that side of your brain because... It's like a never-ending pit. It's always going to be hungry to create, and no matter. And if you're not creating, it's going to always be calling out to you to come back and create. And I think that sense of always calling and coming back to create is can be a good thing, can be a good motivator or a good kick in the ass to get you to start to do something. But it can also, I think, there's a sense that it can also be somewhat nagging mm-hmm. and say, "Oh, you should be doing this. You have this potential. Yeah. Why aren't you doing this?" Yeah, and I think i felt that and i'm sure zach felt the same way and that was that was what pushed us to the point like last the end of august like all the way through august into the early and early days of september where we where we had this i mean i'll speak for myself i'll let zach speak for himself but it was like this overwhelming feeling of we know we're creative we know we can do these things but right now there's no channel, there's no vessel for us to do this because mm-hmm. we feel like we're doing it in a silo. And doing it yeah. in a silo for us was not the way to fulfill that. And yeah. We started doing this. We were like, well, let's come up with an idea. What are we going to call it? Zach's like, what do we call it the process? I'm like, fuck, that's a good idea. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is basically how it went. It was super exactly fast. How it we, went, didn't actually, love it. we didn't we didn't overthink it. We think we planned the whole thing in like 30 minutes yeah we came up with the concept of it in 30 minutes it was chad we would spend hours in the evening just like texting back and forth yeah we need a space we need a studio we need to do this we need to do this Mm -hmm. creative thing we need to like something needs to happen it was like it was kind of maybe preempting the a catalyst moment of this which is where we are now Mm-hmm. And in a year from now, it's going to be very different than today. Yeah, you know, personally, will be different. Financially, hopefully, will be different. Emotionally, will be different. Maybe I'll have started journaling by then and unpacking the inner Do depths it. of my brain. <laughs> I highly doubt that's going to happen. It's not that I'm. I'm not skeptical that it. I'm not skeptical about it working. Should I be sending you a good morning text? Like, um, so have you journaled? <laughs> you can. I think you should. You should have my like, number. Hey, I have into your, your Google calendars. Journal. Yeah. <laughs> journal. Yeah. You, journal, you bitch. Journal. You, yeah, it's it's organization of your thoughts. You should love that. I should. I should <laughs> yeah, love that's that. my version of it right there. <laughs> yeah, it's all the sticky, sticky notes. notes. Yeah. And I think it. 
yeah, you got to get, we need to get you more sticky notes. Okay, I you know, question we, about those sticky notes. Is that supposed to be like the shape of America? I no. was just thinking like, that. Because it's like full on, like, like I was you're just covering up Florida. <laughs> I originally started with the blue ones were like kind of the, the, the areas. So it was like different types of designs or different things I was working on. Mm-hmm. Like graphic design, car design, model making, whatever. That's what started. And the greens were just clustering around those. Yeah. And then they started merging together because I, I didn't really think about the space. And I was like, ah, there seems enough space in between them. Yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> and then I ran out of green and then it started the blue. And then now I'm ran out. So I'm on pink ones right now. It's it kind of just I guess it kind of does look like yeah you literally got a full <laughs> space blank that looks exactly like Texas in the bottom left right there no 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 right. bottom left no, that's like that's like Kentucky, that's Texas right, right there yeah that, that gap that whole section looks exactly like because you even got like the blue coastal line for like California yeah <laughs> oh my god you're right it's a flip Chad's like see I'm gonna be on that sticky note right yeah there. yeah right there. Yeah. A little over. A little farther left. There yeah, that one. That one right, right there. there. <laughs> right there. So where where in LA are you going, Chad? I don't know. So like I say Los Angeles. I could end up in San Francisco. I could end up in Pasadena. I'm really like I'm just going. No plan. Are you trying to be in the city or more like, um, in the probably in the city? Um I'm I'm assuming I want to be right by the beach because I want to be able to I lived in um right by Scripps Beach in San Diego and I was like looked out over the beach and it was everything mm-hmm. and so I want that type of vibe as, as well um but yeah no I'm I'm just going there driving basically all the way up to Seattle and then just driving down the coastline nice. and then wow. stopping in cities I'm gonna try to find networking events and like design events I can hit up and then you know if an opportunity pops up an opportunity pops up and and then if just you're settle through down. Seattle, you should see if you can hook up with Jack Johnston when he's out there. So I think oh. he's still out there. Episode 197 of the Process Podcast, if you're curious for that episode. Sounds um, good. So you're gonna do like a whole West Coast type trip. Yeah. So I've done this I've done this trip three times now already. And I've done like the different parts of US. I've just not done the northern part. So I'm gonna go through like mm-hmm. Montana, the south south and east Dakota and or sorry, North and South Dakota, and then go through the, and then goes down the coast that way. And then the, cool. the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. I'm going to hit up my hometown in Michigan, Muskegon, Michigan, hit up that, see how that's wow. going. And where, where Michigan, sorry, Muskegon? Muskegon. It's just North, uh, it's, it's like a lakeside town North of Grand Rapids where like Herman Miller and Steelcase are. Yeah. So I know Grand Rapids, Michigan, that's, mm-hmm that's a popular or not a popular but a lot of people come through that yeah. and come out of that space yeah well, and a lot designers. of these people are not living in los angeles <laughs> yep you know that's the funny thing we're um, all going there <laughs> creative hub yeah you know and i think there's something about detroit too of it being like an old an old mm-hmm. industrial automotive city and then yeah now it's less that but it's I remember reading because I was debating going to University of Windsor and it was partnered with University of Detroit yeah. program and they were like, "Oh, Detroit's on the up and up. Like in twenty years, it'll be, it'll be like the, it'll be just like New York." And I'm like, I don't see it. 
I'm optimistic, but I don't see it happening. Again, yeah. I know jack shit about Detroit. I know yeah. nothing about Detroit. Um, yeah. And Michigan in general, to be honest. I know very, <laughs> very little. I only know of people that have come out of that place and have gone on to become successful and do their own thing. Yeah. I don't know much about it either. I mean, I lived there until two, three years old, and then we moved to Quebec. So I, I really don't know too Quebecers. much about it. Yes. Um, no, yeah, even Quebec. I, I mean, Toronto's like the 30-something city I lived in, so I was a bit of a, um, a sojourner, so I don't know much about I'm like, I go from this place to that place. Like, Do you know a lot about that place? I'm like, I was there for four months, so I don't know. <laughs> I, know I know nothing. I know nothing. <laughs> I know my neighborhood. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. Is um, Do you worry about uh, like struggling to be creative and find a creative outlet once you get to los angeles because everything everything here in toronto mm-hmm. it's like you know it it's safe it's it's understood well i think like toronto i mean toronto is safe for people who grew up here right i didn't come from toronto so toronto was an uh, was a foreign city for me at one point um and i'm the type of person like i i guess maybe because i'm an extrovert like i can walk into rooms see someone and be like hey you look cool let's talk and I have no problem doing that. And so for me, I think going to like Los Angeles and finding my creative outlet, if there is no, it's a city that's very creative. It's a very creative city full of very creative people and very open people. And I'm 100% sure that I'll end up meeting more than enough people to start bouncing ideas off of. And and also too, like Kynite is still going. I'm just, you know, I'll be down starting the Los Angeles location. So um, it's not like uh, I don't have something to do when I get down there. We launch right. basically the same time that I leave. So I'll have like a two weeks off and then I go back to supporting Chris and the Toronto launch. And then later on a couple months, I'll start the Los Angeles launch. So I already have well into a year's worth of work already planned out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Do you have a, a time when you said like you're be leaving in a month? Yeah. So, um, and so like August 30th, I'm assuming is the going to be, which is a Monday, I believe that's going to be when I leave. Oh, that's two days after my birthday. Oh, oh, perfect. Which, which means rager for Dylan's birthday. Probably not. Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll, put, we'll put. Well, some I'll be fully vaxxed. We'll have to get together for your birthday. I'll be fully juiced up. I'll be like fucking rocking the five G by that point. There you it would go. be yeah. good. To, it would be good to get everyone together, not under the pretense of my birthday, because I'm not that selfish. I I could say that I am, but I don't we want do to it. be. Everyone from an ID, we should get together, do like a patio. Right, get smashed. I don't think I ever got drunk with you guys, which is kind of crazy. I don't think so. You were drunk around me, chair show. You had oh. a handful of vodkas, mm-hmm. but we did not get drunk yes. in part in unison. Yes, and I think that's something that needs to happen, especially yeah, Zach, because Zach is a fucking hoot. He drinks <laughs> so much rum and then it. just passes out against the wall. And he's like, "Fuck, oh, I'm done." Are you a high tolerance, Zach? Uh, I used to be when I was. You know, I'd practice more. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, drinking drinking regularly. Dude, I'm the fucking lightest weight kid ever. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh I'm not. God. I'm I'm a zero to sixty, dude. Like I'll be drinking smash, 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 pass out. <laughs> like go, 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 go. Then I'll be like quickly like I got twenty minutes. I'm like, guys, I gotta go grab my Uber, gone. <laughs> really? Because so, yeah, I'm a pass out. Zach Zach can attest to this is one time we 
I think we had Ma- Maho and Olive came over after school one day on a Friday and we watched Blade Runner because I hadn't seen Ooh. it. And they're like, oh, we want to watch Blade Runner. I'm like, mm-hmm. bro, we got the fucking movie. Yeah. Let's go get wine. We went to get wine. And I was like, I'll be selfish. I'm going to buy a bottle for myself. We bought a Yellowtail because it's Australian. And I love it. I went to Australia, by the way, in case you didn't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <I> remember. <laughs> I might have mentioned it before. No way. And... We all sat down, we're watching the movie, having a good time. And I'm like, oh, that bottle's almost gone. And then I get up, I'm like, oh shit, this is a problem. Mm. Go straight to the bathroom, fucking pour the entire thing out of my guts and was on, un- like, just went unconscious. Oh no. And that was, That's that was, good. that was, that was. Just over wine? Yeah, I just fell asleep. Wow. Yeah, Dylan's a wine guy. I, I, I love wine. wine. But I can, I, I can smash like a bottle or two and I'll be like, still going. Dude, I've smashed a bottle or two. I was unconscious. I passed <laughs> right out. I was like, I think you, you got to like it spread it out a little bit, you know, mix in yeah, some gotta, weed with it, get that going, you know, just this like. That's true. Here's a question. Yourself. Have you ever done psychedelics? Mm-hmm. 100%. Oh. <laughs> any, any key learnings from doing psychedelics? Um, not, that we're propo- not that we are proponents of it or advertising I mean, it or condone it in any way. Maybe I may have or may have not. Allegedly, um, allegedly, yes. Um, had a lot of transformative experiences doing um, acid at um, the AGO. If that is well, something uh, you I think, can, can you talk about that a little bit <laughs> without sounds... being incriminating because he did not. No, I did. A friend of mine, allegedly amazing. That's what it sounds. A friend of mine did it um, a while back. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's uh, definitely. I mean, it permanently rewires your brain. So there's that whole component, which is kind of fascinating. Um, it's like, yeah, like it's very, uh, things come flying off the wall, paintings start melting, like things are going and you're like, wow. Damn. <laughs> Has it made you more creative? Oh, yeah. I just sat there with a sketchbook, like, like, oh my God. All scribbles, but like. <laughs> what about it do you think? made you more creative because i've heard people speak that it it kind of breaks down these unconscious barriers that we build up in our minds yeah it, it breaks away like a lot of inhibitions it's kind of like you start making connections that logic because logic's thrown out the door so logic's no longer there so you're making connections that shouldn't be made and then you're like oh wow that's cool and then it's just like this whole thing and then there's the whole point if, if you take a lot of it where you're actually like seeing things and like your skin starts moving and you're like, Oh my God, like, you know, things are happening. You can go badly for some people. Um, if you're wanting to do like, like mushrooms is also very good. That's like a transformative experience as well. But like, I think every artist needs to do some sort of a psychedelic at one point, just because it's it such a, it's such a moment. Mm-hmm. Definitely sounds like something we will not ever do. No, <laughs> never, never, ever. <laughs> going to do it i will never never swear swear to be a a compliant citizen of Mm -hmm. government of ontario and will not participate Mm -hmm. in the in the consumption of uh, controlled substances because that is very bad and very wrong however the allure of allegedly allegedly not knowing what creative shit it does that's kind of interesting well they are starting in u.s like um psychedelic retreats to help with people with like depression and whatnot what? so 
Like, so you know, that means we diagnosis. Go down to LA. <laughs> yeah, get a little diagnosis. And uh, I mean, well, you don't need a, you don't need a diagnosis to get whatever you want in LA. But it's <laughs> true. This is LA. This is the what are they? Oh no, that's Vegas. What happens? What goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. Same thing. Different state. Pretty much. Same yeah. thing. It's the same vibe. Um, we've been going for almost three hours. We're going for over. We've three been hours, going three hours. Wow. Three hours. This is the first time we we've peaked the three hour mark. Um, is there any questions you have for us, Chad? Because mm. we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna turn you into a recurring character. We're gonna turn you into yeah. We're gonna make, we're gonna make yeah. you a recurring thing. We'll set something up. We'll figure. We'll brainstorm. A, it'd be cool to have a segment like something that is repeatable around a, a concept, but yeah, conversations each time are different. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Like something that's like, um, yeah, like repeat. Like, I'm not sure how that would go, but I think that is like definitely a, mm -hmm. a cool thing. Yeah, yeah, I'll try to think of something, figure something out. Yeah, do some brainstorm action. Yeah, for sure. Connect off air and just figure out what what works and um, yeah. let it evolve. That'll be super cool. That'll be yeah, super I'm down. Cool. Looking forward to it. Um, here's another question. Final question to to cap this off is: Have you learned anything? in listening to the process and this is obviously oh not to, this is obviously not for yeah. egotistical purposes because we're geniuses and everything that comes out of our mouth is yeah. so um, such great knowledge but it's it's good to know like what resonates you know? so to stroke your ego no, I'm um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, no like i think honestly like the thing that um definitely you guys helped me personally a lot overcome like uh like re re inspire me in design, um, like just like some of those some of the like the most random like un prophetic or whatever you want to say it episodes where you guys are just talking about I don't know like random inspiration over a car or like you guys are talking about um, uh, what do you call it uh, weird poster design or something like that just like, random like just talking about just different creativity is like I find it sometimes the most inspiring. Because like I said, I, you know, sketch while I listen to you guys. So oftentimes when you guys say something, then I'm like, oh, that's cool. I was just guessing something based off of that. <laughs> and then it goes down. I, I kind of have my own little ideation routine with you guys, cool. which is kind of funny because it is so, it, it's kind of weird because I feel like I know a lot about you guys. And I, I feel like because I listen to you guys every day, it's like I've built this connection with you guys that is pretty one way because we don't talk every day <laughs> and it's, it's it's kind of this weird uh, weird thing but i think that's definitely like something that i find so valuable and and oftentimes like just the personable like chats about how you guys are feeling or, or like you know mm. um and even when you guys have guests on it's like really interesting seeing their perspective and and whatnot um but mainly like i think what keeps me coming back is just being able to hear contemporaries go through similar things to me um, and hearing other people get inspired about design. And if I'm not, you know, ins feeling inspired that day, it's like, you know, it inspires me. And it's, it's like my little connection into the industrial design field because I don't have a lot of um, connections into the field at the moment. Um, a lot of connections in other fields, but not not a lot of industrial design friends that I chat with. So it's, it's definitely, it feels like, it feels a little void. That's awesome. Cool. We really appreciate that. Like, yeah, that wholeheartedly, is, it means a lot. That's really, really cool. Especially coming that. from you, so. No, oh, thank you. <laughs> there's, a lot, there's a lot of gratitude, a lot of gratitude to go around, and it uh, seems like a perfect place to land this very long-winded plane. If yes. this was a plane, we would be like three quarters of the way to Vancouver if we left from Pearson right now. So put that in perspective. Um, <laughs> there you go. If that made any sense at all. 
Um, Chad, where can people find you if they want to connect with you online? They can find me on Instagram at Chadwick underscore design. Uh, or you can find me on my website at www.chadwickdewey.com and .ca, whichever one, they all lead to the same place. Um, and yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, Chadwick Dewey, add me. Um, if you guys want to talk about design, connect, chat, I'm always an open stream. LSD, sweet. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> If you want to, if you want to drop acid with Chad, then just send him a DM. No, uh, here's an idea. From LA, I'm heading over. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to totally pitch this right now. Is that before you go, mm-hmm. we allegedly, potentially, most likely not, do an episode on psychedelics. Oh, and I'm we get someone with us to act to produce the episodes. So that way, we know it's going to actually get recorded and get yep. finished and get put up um maybe we can get like nick to moderate it or something like that um i love that. that's an idea but that is a moment i'm just throwing out ideas it's definitely not a great idea no it's definitely terrible definitely not i'm not terrible idea i'm actually not terrible. feeling that changed my mind um uh, yeah chad thank you so much for uh yeah thanks man for lending us three hours of your time oh thank you no thank you for this opportunity really really love coming on and chatting with you guys and whatnot fuck yeah chad we're gonna and we're gonna we're gonna turn this into like a recurring recurring segment we'll have some brainstorms and figure out like what that yeah. is what it can yeah, be for but sure realistically like we're not gonna overthink that too much because then it's we're trying to over prescribe it it's probably just going to turn into it's probably just something we'll just start and it'll turn into its own thing on its own exactly you know that's the beauty of it um uh, if anyone has any questions for us you can send an email to hide out the process podcast at gmail.com all of chad's uh contact information and links will be in the show notes below if you care to peruse them um lsd not included and zach watson yes sir what is our Instagram? The process underscore underscore the podcast. If you've made it this far, then you're an absolute beast. And uh, we really appreciate it. And ladies and gentlemen, we uh, we hope you enjoy your, your weekend. And we'll see you on Monday. Peace. The process. assembly required.